Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Spooky Stacks uh, Extra Innings Edition. Uh, <laughs> we're recording this on November 1st, but we missed the first week of Halloween, and we love Halloween here at the Stacks. So uh, this is Jay. We're we're back for another round of Spooky. And in the beginning, in the opening, we're going to put my credit as a question mark, and we won't tell you <laughs> that I'm really Shanna until the end. Uh, that is so cool. Did, that wouldn't work. Uh, th- that is so cool in Frankenstein <laughs> how at the beginning, the opening text credits, uh, the monster just has a question mark instead of Boris Karloff's name. And then they give him top billing at the end. And then mm-hmm. his next movie, it's like for playing really nice. And like, okay, the mummy, you don't have to wear makeup the whole movie. You get top billing right from the start. You're our guy now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, I turned down Frankenstein, you know. Yeah, I mean, Bella is really good in some of the sequels, uh, but you you can tell that he's he's not a leading man anymore. Like he turned that down and he just doesn't get to be that guy anymore. He just yeah. never is again. It's too bad because Bella's yeah. great. He uh, is good. I would maybe argue he's the better actor than Karloff. Karloff's just a nicer guy. <laughs> <laughs> but our first film this week is... Psycho from 1960, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, obviously, hugely influential film. Kind of the OG slasher film. Uh, I yeah i I only knew, even though it's so influential, I only definitively knew about maybe three or four things going into this movie, and a few of them ended up being wrong. Mm. Like I thought that Patrick Bateman was somehow based on Norman Bates. Oh. He's not. No, although I would say that the name probably is derived from it. Probably. Uh, I also thought that the famous shower kill happened to just like like a Drew Barrymore type in the very right. beginning, not somebody yeah. who we got to know. Yeah, I mean, that is the big uh, masterful thing about this movie is that we spend half the movie following the first character. And then just it's it's a huge bait and switch. It's like, oh, wait. Now our main character is dead. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Spoilers, but I mean, this is a movie from 63 years ago. It's very famous. Oh, God. Yeah, it's that long. <laughs> uh, <laughs> loosely, of course, very loosely based on Ed Gein. Mainly just the mama's boy elements and that, you know, he, he goes after. He, he's an opportunistic criminal. He goes after a woman when there's just no one around and he, he has the freedom. And when, you know, she's been making a whole lot of effort to make sure that nobody is able to follow her, but has also been uh, advertising that she's making effort to make sure nobody could follow her. It, it's not intentionally. She's not good at well, running. You know, I would say that that is one of the main themes of this movie is that None of the criminals are good at pretending they're not criminals. Everybody who has done something (laughs) wrong, you can see that they've done it wrong. If you're if you're watching their behavior and the way they talk and the way they act, it's like, yeah, this person is dangerous. But the glibness, the banality of Norman is so true to the serial killer type that he kind of skates by because he's so nonchalant. Kind of. Uh, I I. I think it was a really good performance because I could tell that something was off about him. Oh, yeah. But maybe in 1961, you might not make that connection. 
Well, I mean, in terms of the nervous energy and that he is off and that he is a weirdo, you totally get that from every moment of being around the dude. But mm-hmm. the you don't really suspect him of having committed a bunch of murders or having having stolen this 40 grand because he doesn't have uh the the way he's acting is weird like you're suspicious of him as a person he just seems like a sketchy dude but you don't really think like oh this guy definitely committed a murder yesterday that he's currently working on covering up there's no panickiness the way that uh janet lee's character has Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's oh, well, part. It, it, the way he cleans up the murder is kind of like, oh well, guess this is what my morning chores are today. I guess mom did a thing. Well, he's done it a bunch of times before. Yeah, he's this. This he's isn't got the first a time. Yeah, he. It's it's just like the trooper. <laughs> it's just like the trooper. <laughs> and I mean, literally, I think the trooper is directly riffing on Psycho because, you know, every time he comes like, oh, no, the trooper's done it again. It's it's we're supposed to suspect him that he is the trooper because we've seen Psycho. <laughs> this, this is like a decade later. Everybody's seen Psycho. So it's like, well, I mean. We know yeah. he's the trooper. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Like, when he discovers it, it's like, oh, no, mom. Yeah, it's exactly, it's exactly the, same. the same. Yeah. Uh, the score by Bernard Herrmann, the very first thing that you get, it starts out instantly with just this frantic uh, Bernard Herrmann score, which is so influential. Like, the, the Friday the 13th music is a copy of psycho and a copy of jaws mashed up. (laughs) (laughs) I love the Manfredini score for those first three Friday movies, but it is just those two scores just crammed together. (laughs) (laughs) Except for disco Friday, the 13th. Right. Yes. When when that comes along, that upends it. Mm. Disco Disco psycho. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) yeah get some kind of cool fucking just disco beat under that that would be fun (laughs) i bet it's been done it's very possible that it's been done also really cool saul bass opening titles saul bass is like the guy for title sequences in the 50s and 60s this one looks really cool it's very busy the title's just moving through the crack in psycho Mm mm-hmm so we begin in Phoenix, Arizona on Friday, December 11th, 2.43 p.m. It's the only time we get this amount of documentary details. Like, oh, this is very real. Look out. <laughs> the whole rest of the time in the movie, it's like, how much time has she begun? When? Is, what time? What day is it now? When? Yeah, we never refer to the time or date ever again. It's just... It it at the beginning it puts us in mind of a true crime procedural. It's like we're watching The Naked City, which is a very big crime show of the period. You'd be like, "Oh, this is real. This is a true story." And again, this is another one that is loosely based on a true story, much like uh, The Exorcist was. It, it was it, both of them were based on famous novels that were huge hits that were you know, quote unquote, based on a true story, but <laughs> right, <laughs> not so much. Uh, so our first, our main character for the first half of the movie, Marion Crane, played by Janet Lee. I, I like her. Mm-hmm. She's good. 
She makes some bad decisions, but then goes to do the right thing, or well, tries to. Yeah, she she's about to. That, that's kind she's of the about idea. To. Yeah. In theory. Uh she she's an interesting character, and she does feel like more of a movie star character than Vera Miles, who sort of becomes the uh main lady after that, her, her sister. Yeah, she doesn't have as much presence, I find. Um, and I think intentionally, you, you have the big movie star persona at the start who, and I, I, I like it, it also kind of runs to the character being someone who has these bigger dreams and doesn't doesn't fit in Phoenix, Arizona, working as a bank clerk, especially uh, when you compare her to her frumpy coworker. <laughs> and her uh, her boyfriend who lives in a who, yeah, he sleeps on a cot in the hardware store. Yeah, he runs a hardware store and he just sleeps in a cot in the back. Uh, as he explains in this first scene, they're in a cheap motel together. Sam Loomis, by the way, I believe yeah. Carpenter used Loomis as the last name for uh, Dr. Loomis in the Halloween movies because of this. I mean, if he didn't, it's too big of a coincidence. Yeah, yeah. I'm fairly certain. I just, it he makes sense. Have. It's the obvious place to uh, do a tribute. Although, of course, uh, Halloween isn't so much psycho. Uh, Friday the 13th, again, is very psycho. It, it's doing psycho mashed up with Halloween, just like it's doing the Jaws theme mashed up with the psycho <laughs> theme. <laughs> yeah, actually, Friday the 13th is very psycho. It's the same reveal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just just backwards yeah they they just twisted the reveal it, it turns out it's the mom at the end uh instead of the dead son <laughs> and then mother of course with the sequel good swimmer <laughs> yeah mother wasn't a very good swimmer had to uh, yeah i don't know the, the whole it doesn't quite work but no. you know so uh the, we we talk about all of their relationship struggles they're like getting together on lunch break to get it on in a cheap motel room very realistic uh relationship issues like mostly yeah. financial it, it just you know they they are in love it's there's no drama about it. it's just he's got all these debts he he has a previous wife who he owes all this alimony to and there, there's something about a bunch of debt owed by his father yeah it's it's not really clear, I don't think, but it, what matters is that this guy's dirt poor, basically. He's got nothing. Not, well, I mean, dirt poor. Dirt poor for, yeah, 1960, because yeah. he owns a hardware store. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he, he is he the guy is. who runs the place. <laughs> yeah. But he does also live in the back of it. So, you know, it's it's sort of, he's he's business poor. Yeah. So the thing is, Marion Crane is done with all of the secrecy of the relationship. She just wants to be public. It's like, I, I'm tired of these secret meetings. I'm, you know, I don't care about the money. Uh, the money is much more of an issue for him than it is for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he doesn't. He's worried that because he's so poor, he can't take care of her properly or it'll look bad for her. Um, it, it, yeah. It's one of those masculine things. I it, don't it really... is. Yeah, it's completely. Well, it, it's a bit of that. And it's also, I mean, it's it's the same mentality that leads to the family annihilator, right? Oh, 
Yeah. It's like, well, I mean, being poor would be the absolute worst thing, worse than death. So, I mean, if, if, uh, you know, there, there's no way we could get buried with me not having uh, enough money to buy us a house and 2.5 kids and do the whole nuclear family thing. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like this is sort of the start of that as the standard of living and that sort of builds all of these uh, cultural psychoses. So, uh, Marion, I mean, her point is like he he's going over all this stuff about how he can't marry because of being broke. And she's like, look, they also pay who meet in hotel rooms. You know, th- this is it's it's paying f- it's it's payment from my soul uh, doing this. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I do feel like he would become a fi- family annihilator down the line, just given the, the details of how much he's concerned about the finances of all of it more than anything else. Yeah, yeah, it seems I I almost wonder uh that if he's like kind of secretly maybe worried that he might have to like get a divorce later and start paying alimony to her too since yeah. the first alimony fucked him up so bad. Yeah. Uh we don't really get a whole lot of idea of Sam's character as a person. Uh he he he's kind of an just a blank he, he's there to be the guy but he doesn't do much of anything in the movie there, yeah. there's the part where he tries to be uh an investigator on his own. <laughs> all right norman i'm going to keep you distracted with while my wife looks around your hotel it, he weird just, that i'm doing all the talking he just Get lacks subterfuge better. yeah, yeah. He, he's not good at it so yeah, they, another they, one who's not good at what they're doing. What nobody's good at what they're doing. Uh, and like even Arbogast screws it all up. I like Arbogast a lot, though. Yeah, yeah, but it's charmed him. He fucks it up. <laughs> so the, the, we we've established sort of the key uh, tension in their relationship, and it's sort of what guides what she's about to do. And so she goes back to work from her lunch break, and we meet her ditzy coworker. <laughs> who's clearly <Anybody>? newlywed <laughs> yeah well you know nobody called for you but my husband called for me five times See, no it's it's not in in a demonstrative sort of bragging sort of way it's she's so like she just has no brain in her head about anything other than her husband so it's just like oh yeah were there any calls and like oh teddy called for me uh and then my mother called to see if teddy called and <laughs> <laughs> right it's like Ugh. were there any calls for me and it's like oh yeah 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 uh your your sister is going to be away to tucson on business for the weekend like okay great i really needed to know about your husband calling you and your mom calling you that's good <laughs> so this rich cowboy comes in mr cassidy and he just he <laughs> got a fucking fat stack on him <laughs> oh, I got all this money on me. I'm just going to throw it around and show it to everybody. I'm going to buy your heart there, little missy. He's, it's weird. Like, he's obviously hitting on her major. He's got this 40K for his daughter's wedding, which is supposed to take place the next day. Uh, and he's buying a house with cash with it. Because I, I think they're a real estate office, right? I, th- I think that's what it is. Yeah. I would have to assume the boss is really not cool with him having this big wad of cash. He's like, please just 
could, you know, a check would be fine. We could go put this in the bank right now because I don't want to have this hanging around the office. In fact, uh, yeah, actually, yeah. Why don't Marion, you go take this cash and put it in the bank right now? Right. And he's doing this whole show of obsequious wealth. Uh, just he, he's crowing about how incredibly easy it makes his life, how he can just buy <laughs> happiness here and there. Or no, no, buy off I'm, unhappiness. Yeah. Oh, I'm not buying happiness. I'm just buying off unhappiness. And he's gross. He's clearly mm. gross. He is like leaning over and slavering on her. <laughs> it's oh, it's, it's like very right, clear. His face yeah. is right into hers. Yeah. And, you know, he's got this 40 grand of cash and he's just so gross. And so they finally he he goes into the back office to get drunk with the other guy, with the <laughs> with the boss. And, the, you know, the, everybody knows about the hidden bottle of whiskey that he's got. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that was just what you did back then. Yeah, just close I, the deal and then get wasted. Right, you kind of need to have that hidden bottle of whiskey as part of your workspace. It's it's a it's something for the customer as much mm-hmm. as it is for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, heck, you got to have it just to offer. You might not even drink right. wine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I really love after he goes in and they're sitting there and the coworker. Musing like, oh, he wasn't flirting with me. He must have noticed my wedding ring. <laughs> <laughs> and they're both just silent for a second. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's what it was for sure. You know, <laughs> obviously, uh, Janet Lee, perfect movie star looks, absolutely uh, made to look outstanding here. And especially just in this space, totally out of place in this uh, office job. <laughs> Whereas the other lady, she's not dressed up. They they have her obviously dressed down. They don't have a lot of makeup on her. She's not supposed to look like a star. No, she she looks like a housewife. Yeah. So Marion is like, I've got a headache. I'm gonna go home sick. I'll deposit this cash on the way, for sure. <laughs> and everyone's just like, oh yeah, yeah, whatever. We're getting drunk. Yeah, it's like. Ah. Sure, which we trust you. You've been here ten years. Nobody. Uh, well, there is nine. that. <laughs> yeah, but we see her not go to the bank. We see her at home packing a, a suitcase, and the the camera pans over to show that she has not deposited the money on the way. In fact, she. Ha- oh no, she doesn't put it in the suitcase. She keeps no. it out. Which... Yeah, we we just see it sitting on the side. She needs it. She might need yeah. to grab it. That's true. She might. So as she's leaving town. In her car, <laughs> after she has been has gone home from work with a headache, with forty grand in cash, uh, she's at an intersection, and who should cross the crosswalk right in front of her car and look directly at her in her face, but her boss. <laughs> and she, like, looks at him, and she almost waves before yeah. realizing it's like, oh, wait, I'm actually hiding from this guy right now. <laughs> and she loses her composure like the look on yep. her face him seeing her is like Ooh. <laughs> like no no don't make that face now he's going to be more suspicious but i guess it could be like as ah, she's skipping out of work for the afternoon yeah yeah so Maybe. she she starts driving she just drives through the night long long drive she's driving all the way from phoenix to california it's pretty far it's... yeah it's it's a long drive and she ends up sleeping in the car so this is where she encounters the extremely suspicious policeman. 
okay, I thought this guy was going to be the psycho. <laughs> yeah. He cuz they they've done this in movies where the cop ends up being the psycho. Right. I feel like it hadn't been done yet. But it definitely is something that would happen not long after. I think Electrica Electroglide in Blue is one that does this not long after. Uh, and that one's, uh, what's his name? Real killer, Robert Blake. He's, oh. he's the guy. Crazy oh, right. man. I, yeah, I remember. He was in uh, Lost Highway. Yeah. Uh, he's he's the, the creepy guy on the phone in Lost Highway. Uh, yeah, and he's a cop serial killer in Electroglide in Blue. Good movie. He's yeah, a motorcycle yeah. cop who likes to kill people. So he's yeah. just like out in the desert like this could have been inspired by this could have been does um, the same thing with like the mirrored shades that really adds menace to this guy yeah this guy never takes off the shades even when he's talking to like his buddy at the car dealership yeah and there, there's just sort of an eeriness to him I, I mean part of it is that we're experiencing him through the lens of janet lee as a character like we're on her side more or less. I mean, we've seen her do a criminal thing, but we understand her reasons. She's obviously the character we're following. And he's just this eerie blank space. He's a question mark. Yeah. And she she loses her composure as soon as she encounters him. It's like, I'm not doing anything suspicious, officer, am I? <laughs> and I, I love it because much like the thing with the boss and like, well, she was skipping out on work. It There's a reason. It's just... It's just to be, a, it's just called dealing with a cop. Like she's just woken up and there's this creepy cop who is just like hovering over her window and is like, okay, I'd like to get out of here. I don't, this is not how I want to wake up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he's like, well, you should have found a motel. There's lots of motels around here just to be safe. Uh, good little irony in there that like, oh, you should have gone and stayed a night in a motel. That would have been much safer than being out here on the road. See, I thought he was that again. I thought that he was going to be like Norman dressed up as a cop trying to get oh, people to his hotel. I see. I see. Not realizing that he doesn't lure people to his hotel. Right. So she asks him, am I acting as if there's something wrong? He's like, frankly, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like, yeah, you really are lady. You just chill out. You're, you're acting so suspicious. But again, if, if just you're woken up by a cop, you're probably going to be not in the f the friendliest mood. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. saying. Uh, <laughs> no, that's true. I've never been woken up by a cop before. and uh, I wouldn't want not. to. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like it, Just going through a road check, I don't feel like I'm in a good mood. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. I said, it's dealing with a cop is uh, why something is wrong. Anytime a cop, you're talking to a cop, most people are like, you don't seem in a good mood. Like, yeah, because you talk to a cop that doesn't really put you in a good fucking mood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she gets to the next town and she's like, "All right, I've been seen in this vehicle, and there's, and I, I better trade in the car." And just <laughs> it's a comedy of errors. <laughs> it, okay, so in Grand Theft Auto, when you drive into the pay and spray to paint your car and then lose all your wanted stars, it doesn't work when the cop watches you go in there. Right. And that's kind of what <laughs> happens. She she goes in and then the cop arrives. She's, she doesn't realize that he's gotten there because she goes and picks up a newspaper and she's checking it to see if her crime has been reported. 
and the cop just sees her and parks across the road and just gets out of the car and stands watching her. <laughs> yeah, he's like staring at her for like 10 minutes across the road. It takes a while for her to realize he's there. And then she's like, uh, it sketches her out to begin with. And then she runs into the salesman who, uh, California Charlie, I really like this guy. <laughs> this guy's fun. He's this car salesman. And his first thing is like, oh, you're not going to be trouble, are you? It's like, excuse me? And she's already off balance with him. It was the stupidest thing for him to begin this this conversation with. Well, like, you know, the look, first customer yeah. of the day is always trouble. It, it's he's, a true fact. He's right, and it he's proven right, but he's like... Oh, I'll yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he does say to her, well, like, oh, no, well, the first customer of the day is usually trouble, and I don't aim for it to be that way, so what is it you're looking for? And the thing is... She's the most accommodating customer. She knows exactly what she wants and she wants it now, but he doesn't know how to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you, you don't want to haggle with me? You don't I haggle? eyeballed you on the price on you, purpose just to see what you do. You don't want to take it for a test drive around the block? I mean, that's it's highly irregular. Like, what are you in a huge rush? Like, do you have, do you, do you own this car that you're trading in? Or are, are we sure about this? <laughs> and you know finally she just it's like no i just want to buy a car. why is everyone being so difficult i just want to buy this car eventually he she finally goes and then the cop comes around and talks to the guy so she starts driving and she's imagining all of the conversations everyone's having about what happened yeah i really like this uh this montage because it it's kind of like a gradual buildup of like, oh, weird. She didn't come in on Monday. That's strange. What's up with that? Oh, hey, um, Sam, she didn't talk to you. She didn't talk to the sister. Oh, and then, hey, of course, the money didn't go in the bank. What's up with that? So the money never turned up. Uh-oh. And like, oh, you know, come to think of it, I did see her in her car uh, uh, on the way out of town uh, later that afternoon. Like, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then it's like, you know, the cop. And it's like, oh, yeah, she seemed pretty suspicious. And California Charlie, she was really in a rush. <laughs> <laughs> and we end with the Texan going, well, if I don't get the money back, I'll take it from her flesh. Yeah, gross line. I'll take it out of her, I think, sweet flesh. Oh, it probably is. It's, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yep. Uh, oh, no. I'll replace it with her fine, soft flesh. Fine, soft Ew. flesh. That's even worse. <laughs> and like it's it's funny, just she it, that he manages to turn it into her flirting with him in his confession. Like she's imagining him saying, "Like oh yeah," and she was really flirting with me for that money uh, when I was in the office. Yep. So, pounding rain, no visibility, and finally the Bates Motel sign looms up in the darkness. And no one's there. The office yeah. is empty. Eh, maybe just keep on driving there, lady, but she doesn't. Yeah. She sees a really, really fucking spooky house on the hill, the Bates house. <laughs> and there's one, one lit window with a matronly figure uh, silhouette in the window. It, it's like it's like having like the Amityville house right next door to the Motel Six. Yeah, it's, it's... creepy. It's so <laughs> creepy. So Norman shows up. He he comes down in the rain. 
And his catchphrase, 12 cabins, 12 vacancies. It's clearly this rehearsed line he's said many times. <laughs> yep. And he gives sort of a background on the motel and how things went downhill. And it's like, well, the highway moved. So it's just routine now. I keep lighting the lights, following the formalities. And he's he's given off like this really weird energy, but still kind of weird in a maybe he just hasn't seen people yeah. that much. He's this guy who lives pretty by himself on this out of the way thing. The highway moves, so there's very few customers. And he's just kind of a, a kooky dude. But there's yeah. the the first the the first moment that seems troublesome, and and the the first moment that really gives you pause is when she's saying where she's from. And he's hesitating between which key to choose. And when she says Los Angeles, he decides firmly on cabin one. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. I I was wondering about the hesitation there. Because, like, if she were someone from some small town uh, on her way through, I don't know if he would do this. But it's, oh, she's city girl from Los Angeles, the big city. Uh, right and cabin one is the one that he's got the um the peephole that's where the peephole is that's where you know he could perhaps deal out some sort of justice of a sort that he thinks yeah or or something you know it's or, the you know, easiest his, one his mom to access if he needs to exactly so a, a very important point is made he's only she's only 15 miles out from fairvale which is where sam lives like she could easily just get there that night yeah, but man, it was dark and it was raining, and yeah. I wouldn't want to drive in that. No, I feel that. And, and she slept in the car the night before. She probably did not get a lot of sleep. She's probably dozing off by this point because it's full dark. So, one of the other things is when he's showing her the room, he's unable to say the word bathroom. Uh, yeah, this is the, uh, the, uh, well, yeah, he he just gestures at it and and over here, of course, uh, is, and he he's too awkward to even say the word bathroom. But he invites her to dinner, mm-hmm. which doesn't go over well with mother. <laughs> <laughs> she can, uh, Marion can hear them arguing like from her, like in their house from her hotel room. Man, what a horrible fucking motel. <laughs> That sucks. Like, even if there wasn't a killer that you could just hear the motel owner arguing with his mother from your room, that would stink. (laughs) You can't have her up here. She's a whore just because she's a woman. Yeah, how dare you bring a strange woman into our home? Uh, I would just leave. I can drive 15 miles in the rain. (laughs) Um, At that point, yeah, I'd be like, you know what? Check, please. But he comes back with the sandwiches and says to Marianne, I wish you could apologize for other people, which, you know, is interesting Mm. given Mm. how things turn out. Yeah. And there's this moment where she's like, all right, well, come on in and we'll have sandwiches. And he cannot go into her room. Like, it's it's not possible. Like, nope, he, he, he won't. And he like clearly can't get himself to cross the threshold. So he's like, oh, mm. why don't we eat in the office? The office is really nice. Oh, but now it's actually too officious. Yeah. Let's let's go to the parlor. I've got this parlor behind the office. And 
uh, <laughs> we get to see his taxidermy. <laughs> All his stuffed birds. Only birds. Only uh, birds yes. he, he does not like stuffing uh, mammals. Uh, and one of the first things he says to her as she's eating is, you eat like a bird. <laughs> and then she's like, uh, oh, I guess you would know. And he's like, not really. <laughs> yeah, he's like, well, I like I like stuffing birds. And he says, because of their passivity. That's creepy. That is very creepy. It's like, oh, well, I mean, birds, they're they are just kind of there for that. That's what they're there for. <laughs> like, oh, okay. So she's like, let's change the subject. Do you go out with friends at all? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. There's, oh, that, no. there's a long pause. And he's like, well, uh, a boy's best friend is his mother. <laughs> like oh oh but then he's able to kind of make her uncomfortable with what with some questions like well what are you running away from yeah and this is where he has the thing about we're all in our own private traps mm-hmm. that we've built for ourselves and he he sort of goes dark he's like i was born in mine I don't mind it anymore. <laughs> like you should though. <laughs> yeah. 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 And he's like, yeah, I admit it. I, I should. And I want to defy mother, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you could put her someplace and. No, not that's just... not quite yet. Cause he's still oh, no. going through his background. Put her oh, someplace okay, okay. is what ends this. Right. So, okay. He goes through his background. Father died when he was five. And right. there was this thing a few years ago. And like a few years ago can't be right. Because he's yeah. talking about this man who mother met. Who talked her into building the motel. Yeah, but we find out. Yeah, it, it can't be a few years ago. This whole story has to somehow be wrong. Yeah, well, some of it, I, like, I, I think we have elements of truth there that there was this other guy mm-hmm. who that mom remarried and they built the motel and they were going to do this stuff. And then uh, they died. <laughs> well, he died anyway. And mother's yeah. just been lonely. He says when that man died, it was too much of a shock for her. And the way he died and he chuckles. <laughs> yeah. oh yeah and like, he's like oh, oh well i i wouldn't want to talk about that it's not not talk for pleasant company uh it's like but i couldn't leave her fire would go out it would be damp and cold like the grave oh shit <laughs> <laughs> like that's fucking eerie also that's you know that's why he's there to light her fire and make it not seem like she's in a grave even though yeah. she's, she is dead. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, I hate what she's become. I hate the illness, but that's him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like this, this whole thing. So when I was watching this, I didn't realize that the twist was that he has a split personality. Right. And he's right. also taken over the person or his mother's. He's created a personality of his mother that eventually takes him over i didn't realize that was a twist i kind of thought that it was like a a principal skinner situation right which i mean they've principal they've done so many sequences like all of the 
the office sequence, the taxidermy, uh, the argument with the mother. All of that is done on The Simpsons between Skinner and Agnes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is where she, after the, he talks about the illness, she's like, well, you could put her in some place. And then he gets really offended because yeah. the, the some place. And what I take from it is it's really clear that he's been institutionalized. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, he talks about like, he talks about stuff that you would only know if you've been there. It, it's obvious a personal experience that haunts him. And he's very specific when he's uh, talking about the problems that are inherent in the place. It's like, well, the laughing and tears and cruel eyes studying you. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, oh, okay. You've been there. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course the uh-huh. very iconic lines, like she just goes a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes. <laughs> at this point it's like oh well you know what thank you norman i'm just gonna take that 15 mile drive you know completely but she's too busy wound up in her own story so she's thinking about the crime she's committed and herself going mad this one time so she's not really taking in the full scope of norman's eeriness the the weird energy (laughs) emanating out of him she's thinking about like I should, I should deal with. It. I, I'm going to have to go give this money back and face the consequences before I end up in a trap that I've created for myself. Yeah, is is it here where she says, "Well, I better go back home to Phoenix, where I'm from." Yeah, she says uh, sometimes one time can be enough. In, in terms of uh, we all go a little mad sometimes. It's like and sometimes one time can be enough. Uh, I'm going to head back to Phoenix uh, first thing tomorrow morning. She's she's scared straight, basically. Yeah, but she doesn't realize that that she just gave away that she lied about where she's from and right. stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that that's one thing. And as like, I don't even know if necessarily that matters to Norman, but it does. Kind of, she keeps putting holes in her own story. Yeah, she <laughs> like so she introduces herself as Marion Crane, but she signed herself in the guest book as Marion Saunders or something. Uh, Samuels. Yeah, Marie Samuels, because it's uh, Sam. Oh, right, Sam. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so uh, she goes to get changed and have a shower, and we see him remove a picture where there's a peephole so he can watch her undress. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> uh, th- of course, this shot of him looking through the peephole has been copied so many times. I've seen yeah. it every fucking where. Every time it looks anyone looks through a peephole it's this shot yeah it's been done a billion times uh you you never saw i mean like you must not have because you don't know the twist the 98 remake of psycho no no i haven't weird thing because it's a shot for shot remake i've heard about that and i i kind of wonder what the point of that is well, yeah, the, the point was just to see what it would be like and like, would it be oh. as good? And it isn't. It's terrible. <laughs> oh, really? I mean, a, a big part of the problem is there are little changes to audio or, or things that make it edgier. So in in the sequence where he's peeping through the peephole, uh, they have sound effects of him masturbating. But it's just too not, much. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't that's buy not, it for Norman. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's not what this. No, he's 
first of all, I don't think Norman knows that that's an option for him, and I don't think Mother would allow it. I well, yeah, I in terms of knowing it, I'm sure he knows it. I do think that yeah, Mother would not allow it, and that is simply like he's not allowed to go into a woman's room. He can't say the word bathroom. I don't think yeah. he's going to be masturbating, peeping on women. No, it just, it doesn't seem like what this guy, it doesn't seem like part of his killing thing. No. So uh, she writes up some calculations about the stolen money to subtract the money that she spent on the the car and all the stupid shit and the, the, the thing, just to, like figure out how much she owes now. It's like, ah, this is a stupid, stupid <laughs> decision. And she tears it up, flushes it. Yeah. So she gets in the shower. And here it is. <laughs> <laughs> the most famous sequence. Uh, one of the most famous sequences in all of cinema, really. Maybe the most famous kill. Yeah. Mother shows up. Uh, and she just gets stabbed and stabbed and stabbed. Although you that. never see a stab. It's just the sound effects and the music and the cutting. Yeah, I didn't realize that we don't actually witness a stabbing. I, and there, there's no actual gore. No, there's just a little bit of blood. You see the blood go down the drain. Uh, when she falls, she, uh, the curtain comes with her because she grabs it and comes off all of the rings. But the look on her face when she's dead and like, like oh, the eerie. eye is still twitching. That's, I think that's worse than gore. Oh, it's very intense. Yeah, I mean, and at this point in time, in 1960, this was huge. Like, this was uh, a very, very uh, graphic moment. Like, people genuinely believed that they had seen uh, stabbing happening. Uh, Like, it's one of those early Mandela effects that everyone's like, no, I mean, the way it was cut, I absolutely saw that stuff. People were horrified. Yeah, and we have, like, the the iconic, of course, music on top of it too. The re 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 re. Yeah, the the very famous theme. And what a major fake out! We're forty nine minutes into an hour and forty nine minute movie, and our main character has been killed. Yeah, and at this point, I'm like, okay, if she doesn't die at the beginning, I thought she was going to die at the end. Then, what's the rest of this movie going to be about? It's crazy. I like. I don't think any other movie has done this. Certainly not up to this point where you have a killer, a character that you're following all the way through, and then halfway through they are killed, and we just have to deal with new characters. I don't feel like this has ever even been done again. <laughs> I'm sure it has, but I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I mean, I feel like Scream is the closest thing, and it does it in the first 15 minutes. It's just like, yeah. oh, we faked you out with Drew Barrymore as the big star, and we're doing the psycho thing. Like, they were consciously doing the psycho thing. Yeah. I just feel like it, I've never seen it happen again. It, it, I gotta think about it, because I'm... It's a just, I mean, what a landmark thing to do. That's a fucking baller. <laughs> Rules. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, in like 61, it, I'm sure it was unheard of. 60. Or yeah. 60, yeah, yeah. So Norman reacts. He's like, oh, God, the trooper. <laughs> oh, my God, blood. <laughs> I told you not to go. <laughs> oh, well, time for cleanup. He very elaborately cleans up the scene. It, feels practiced it seems like something he's maybe done before and he wraps her body in the shower curtain puts her in the trunk with all of her luggage 
including the $40,000 wrapped in the newspaper. He doesn't even notice it. I love that bit, how, like, the whole time, it's, the camera just, like, lingers on the $40,000 as he's cleaning up in the background. And it's just like, when's he going to notice it? When's he going to notice it? And he takes the newspaper that it's wrapped up in. And I'm like, he's going to find it. And then he puts it in the car. It's like, okay, yeah. maybe he'll find it later. Well, it's it's totally the same thing as the fake out with uh, Janet Lee as the main character. You, you've been following this storyline only to realize that this storyline just ends. Yeah, uh, and yeah, it's, it's not what that's not what the storyline is about. And it's it just sometimes some uh, it, it's like the serial killer as this alternative force, uh, not a force of nature, obviously, but something that is a totally random force of energy that fractures anything that it comes into contact with. Oh, like like a serial killer just broke into this movie about a girl stealing money and then learning to do the right thing. Yeah, I mean, she's on this uh, uh, and, guilt plot, this whole Catholic thing, and then we get to this point, and then she just gets killed, and it is a story about this guy who kills people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, when he finally gets rid of the car, I'm just thinking to myself, like, oh, wow, he's going to go through the entire rest of the movie without ever even finding out about that money, isn't he? Exactly. Yeah. And, and there, there's that yes, one moment where is. someone mentions it and he's like, what the hell are you talking about? 40,000 what? $40,000. I've never <laughs> seen $40,000 in my life. <laughs> and uh, then they think he's lying, but he's yeah. they, they think that's why he did it at first. Yeah. What, what I love is just the way everything really lingers at this moment that we get to this point and then it's just, we really feel the death. Like, that it lingers on her dying her on the floor the the slow zoom into the eye and the the her lifeblood literally going down the drain yeah and then of course us lingering on the money and watching and it's like well isn't this so i guess the story isn't about her is the story about the money and it's like no money's going in the swamp too I'm like oh yeah, jesus we, christ <laughs> we linger on the car in the swamp that will never be found again well, it will be found. We, well, I mean, we it will it be again. found, but, yeah, it, but it's just, it's very eerie that uh, the way it sinks into the swamp, because you don't really realize there's a swamp. It's very marshy and it looks like there's grass. And then it just starts to disappear and yeah, into it blackness. Looks like, it looks like he just like maybe pushed the car down a hill at first yeah, until but, you see it. And then... But it starts to go under the terrain and then it just sinks completely under. And it's gone. It's very eerie. So now we meet Lila, Vera Miles, uh, uh, Marion's sister. And she shows up in Fairvale. (laughs) Goes to Sam's hardware store. And she thinks that Lila, or she thinks that Marion disappeared with Sam. And Sam has no clue what's going on. Yeah, Sam is currently, as she arrives, writing a letter to Marion's like, where have you been? What's going on? I don't understand what's happening. Literally nobody has heard from you this whole weekend. Yeah, like, what's up? I, I'm really worried. And we see Arbogast. Uh, I love Arbogast. They're the PI who's watching at the door. Uh, yeah, he's... Uh, I like him. He's got kind of a Kinderman energy. A little bit. Yeah, I kind of feel like Kinderman is semi-patterned after him. 
Uh, this is Martin Balsam, who is just one of these fucking great dudes. Uh, it's it's fun to see him be uh, just kind of a, a he's got just such a strange energy to him. He's very positive in this one in a weird sort of way. He's he's likable. Yeah, yeah. He's like, no, no, they're doing this whole thing, trying to track down $40,000. Uh, he's not going to press charges as long as we get the money back, so don't worry about that. I'm, we're actually on the same side here. Yeah. Uh, it, it, and he very baldly suspects Sam. It's like, I'm yeah. pretty sure it was you, though. I mean, it, it all <laughs> everything Honestly, points to Honestly, the boyfriend being without you. money. Yeah. He's like, a secret uh, boyfriend without money, no less. Yeah. It's like, all right, Lila, you keep an eye on this guy. I'm going to go look at all the cheap motels in town, and I bet I find her uh, just stashed away somewhere by you. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he <laughs> we get a short montage of him checking hotels and getting nowhere. Yeah. And after like a week of searching, he finally gets to Norman. Oh, Jesus, and, is that how long it is? Yeah, I think it's like a full week because he oh, he mentions that it's been a week later and that he's stopped lighting the sign. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. So he hasn't been lighting the sign since the killing, uh, which is why Arbogast missed it the first time. He's like, yeah, I barely saw it. And he's like, yeah, I mean, nobody ever comes here. Uh, I, I've kind of just stopped lighting it. You know, they're, they're, it's just not even worth the routine anymore. Oh, well, you know, that's that's a great way to keep this hotel hidden from the public eye, isn't it? But oh, it's well. interesting. He has this real casual attitude. Uh, he, when he's talking to Arbogast, there's really no threat. Uh, mm. Because he's not a threat to Arbogast, and he just doesn't really need to think about it. Yeah. And... So he's just compartmentalized. It's like, yeah, this is fine. I'm not, he, he is not troubled the way Marion was troubled by her crime. There is yeah. a glibness to him. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, no one stops here in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're talking, and then, and then a minute later, like, oh, yeah, there were these people last week who I was talking to that they almost missed the sign because it was off. He's like, so there were people here. And like, oh, well, yeah. yeah uh, hmm. Can I check the register? And like, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> So Arbogast checks the register where he finds the name Marie Samuels, as I said. So Marie being yeah. obviously Marion Crane and Samuels, <laughs> Sam's name. It's like, yeah, he that's her. Out pretty quick. Well, and he's got a sample of her handwriting. It's like, yeah, oh, this yeah. is her. This is obviously her. And Norman has to backpedal. He's like, oh, uh, yeah, she left very early the next morning. Uh, I, I don't know anything else. Yeah, which, you know. Could have just said that from the get go, but could yeah. have. But Could've. he's he, he makes the lie first, and it's yeah. it's the same thing that Marion has the problem with that she keeps, uh, or that she keep keep kept leading with uh, a fabrication when she's just like, oh, I was I fell asleep, I was falling asleep on the road, so I pulled over. Yeah, uh, any of these things, he's just like, oh, you know, I'm just <laughs> just don't <laughs> if you. It's it's the overreaction. It's it's the emotional reaction that gives them away. So he's like, "I bet you won't let me check all the cabins. Uh, they probably need a warrant for it." He's like, "No, I mean, come with me. I'm changing all the sheets right now. Fine, <laughs> come on along." 
<laughs> All right, I'll just start with Cabin One Two. <laughs> and Ar- not going to do Cabin One. Yeah, Arbogast looks up and he sees the silhouette of Mother in the window. It's like, did she see anything? Could I maybe talk to your mother? Oh. Like, no, no. <laughs> She's no. uh, she's very sick and all that. And no, no. Because he, uh, Norman keeps talking about mother. Because once mother's come up, he he has to talk about mother, and <laughs> of course, <laughs> <laughs> he sort of suggests that maybe Marion might have uh, talked him into something and seduced him to hide her for, like, uh, to to hide her away, and he's like, I'm not a fool. And he paused, like, well, she might have fooled me, but she didn't fool my mother. Oh, so she did talk to your mom. Yeah. It's like, oh, and it's like, uh, so can I talk to her? I mean, she she might know something. It would be really helpful. All right. And he goes to the payphone to call Lila about the news. I'm like, hey, yeah, I found the place where she stayed. Uh, but I gotta go back there. She wouldn't let me talk to the mom, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to the mom. I'll get in there. Yeah, uh, this, this get, something ain't right here. Someone's... Arbogast has his ways, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like pretty sure now that Sam's innocent. It's like, well, I mean, I, I found her here, and doesn't seem to have anything to do with Sam. It seems to be held by this guy. So, look, I'll be there in one hour. I just need to go finish up this uh, last interview. Just need to talk to a harmless old woman and then everything will be fine. So he drives up and as he's arriving and as he's walking towards the house, we do see Norman just skulking in the dark. And then he ducks behind something as Arbogast is walking up. Very subtle. Like, I I don't know if you're supposed to notice him. I'm not sure if I did. You, You can see him just duck into a door and hide. Oh. So Arbogast checks the office and he's calling he's like, Hey, anybody here? No answer. So he goes up to the house. <laughs> <laughs> I love the bit where he's like, I think it must be like a, pro- he's in front of a projection screen or something. Mm. When, when he uh, falls. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he gets up to the top of the stairs and he's calling out, uh, Mrs. Bates, Mrs. Bates. And mother comes uh, running. She, she comes- gets him. <laughs> Yes, yeah, like like running out of the room with a knife. It's it's a trooper kill. It's a good overhead shot. It is because like one. he's at the top of the staircase and he's oh, just yeah. right at the the top of the landing. Yeah, and the he's just gotten like there. right on the ceiling. Yeah, and it's like pointed down, so we're looking at we're we're sort of level with the the staircase uh, uh, as a uh, the the diagonal of the staircase and. Mother comes from the right side of the screen. Just, yeah, the trooper runs straight at him and gets him. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like falling down the stairs and the way it's projected, like this st- makes the stairs look huge and him look tiny. It's crazy. Yeah. It's him falling backwards down the stairs, but they use green screen. Uh, it, it's a very interesting effect, similar to what uh, he'll use in Vertigo, or I guess he, what he used in Vertigo, because that was before this. And yeah, oh. just hilarious him going down the <laughs> stairs you ah! wanted to do like the ichi thing like this is great <laughs> uh arbogast we hardly knew ye 
we really hardly knew Arvagast. I, I quite enjoy him. It's too bad he doesn't do much. I can't uh in in the remake, I think it's William H. Macy. Oh, interesting. Okay. I'm trying to remember. I know Vince Vaughn is uh Norman, of course. Hmm. Uh yeah. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> hmm. Uh let's see, there's Anne Hache is Marion Crane also. Hmm. Julianne Moore as Lila, which, I mean, there you're casting uh, the bigger star as the second one. That's just a That's kind of like the opposite of what they did. Total mistake. Uh, Viggo Mortensen is Sam. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) Ridiculous. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh. <laughs> uh, tell me they got they at least got Burt Reynolds to play the rich Texan. No, it's no, this guy Chad Everett, uh, who he's like a soap opera guy. Okay. Uh Robert Forster is the doctor at the end. <laughs> oh, right. Philip, <laughs> Philip Baker Hall is the sheriff. That's pretty good. Oh. <laughs> yeah, weird. I don't know. Uh I haven't seen it in years, but I remember hating it. <laughs> Vince Vaughn is Norman Bates. He, uh, I was saying in the chat, he kind of gives me like, kind of reminds me more of like Jake Gyllenhaal crossed with John Mulaney. Yeah, I think Vince Vaughn is a poor choice. Vince Vaughn is too outwardly scuzzy. He looks <laughs> like someone who'd kill people. Uh, you want someone who looks more squeaky clean. Someone who doesn't seem that outwardly suspicious when you first look at them or talk to them. You know. It, Vince Edward Vaughn Norton. has the look of someone who has not slept in three weeks. Always. Uh, yeah. you, you can't have someone like that. It's your <laughs> uh, unsuspicious killer. So it's three hours later and Lila is starting to get real antsy because Arbogast was supposed to be here two hours ago. So Sam decides to go check out the motel. Uh, and when Sam gets there, Norman isn't there because he's out back sinking Arbogast's car. <laughs> yep, same place. How many, I wonder how many cars are in this swamp? Probably a bunch of them. Could be so many. Uh, I, You know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, also loosely based on Ed Gein, sort of does the same thing. It goes over a junkyard of, like, cars that have been left there near the end. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and you, you just sort of see a zoom and like oh creepy and i think probably uh, considering this thing with the swamp and everything because this does end with the swamp yeah it does it does so sam is knocking on the door and of course mother won't come to the door <laughs> no. <laughs> he sees her there he's like well i can't get her to come to the door i guess she's infirm so he goes back to see lila <laughs> so they're like, look, Arbogast was reporting in for everything. He reported in to tell us that he didn't manage to talk to her and didn't have any information. So something's got to be wrong. There's no way he'd just take off. Mm-hmm. So they call the sheriff. <laughs> and the sheriff's like, oh, I hate being woken up all this stuff. He's, yeah. He's kind of a funny character. I, I like the sheriff. He's got a... a he, he's... Very small town sheriff who is not interested in being a cop and doing 
and policing stuff. He's like, I'm here to deal with actual problems and everything else. Just leave me alone because I want to sleep in the office. Just leave me alone. So, which is the best way to be, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and they talked to him and they mentioned Arbogast went and he wanted to talk to Mrs. Bates. And the sheriff's like, hmm. <laughs> Bad business. Bates, huh? He, well, he doesn't like go into it much there yet. He waits. He's like, yeah, some bad business there ten years ago. And he's like, oh, let's just phone Norman up. I'll, I'll just give him a call, see what's up. And they phone Norman, and he asks about Arbogast, and he's like, yeah, he was here, but he left. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, like, it's not much to go with there. Yes, that's that. Uh, <laughs> and he hangs up and is like, look. Uh, Mama Bates has been dead and buried for 10 years. There was a murder-suicide. Uh, she she killed her lover with strychnine. Uh, both of them buried the same day. I'm like, oh, that doesn't add up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, who's, the, who's the woman I saw in the window? I said, like, well, I mean, it couldn't have been Mrs. Bates. It's like, well, I mean, we saw an old woman. Like, uh, I think... Uh, Lila maybe also saw a silhouette when they were there, and uh, they know maybe. Arbogast saw her, and Arbogast yep. had been talking about her. So it's like, well, there's some old lady. And like, yeah, this doesn't add up. Let's mm. let's go over there because uh, <laughs> I mean, in the conversation that Sam had, he specifically said that Norman, or like Norman specifically told him that Mother is ill. Yeah. So it's like, well, there's got to be someone there. What's up with that? <laughs> so we go to norman and he's talking to mother we don't see it it's, it's outside of the room he's like I, I gotta hide you in the fruit cellar for a few days <laughs> oh you can't hide me in the fruit cellar i can move by myself although she really can't but she cannot uh <laughs> it, it, it's it's her angrily protesting and finally him carrying her out and it's I mean, it's pretty obvious that it's a corpse. She She's not human-weighted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, at this point, I kind of figured, like, hmm, she's going to be dead all along, isn't she? I, I, right. I kind of figured out where we were going from here. Yeah. So the sheriff stops by and does check the place out, but he's satisfied. He doesn't check the fruit cellar. He just, I mean, I guess they didn't check the room because you find that fucking uh, scary lump in the bed. Oh yeah, right. The fucking... he, he, he mustn't have done much of a thorough uh, look through the house. <laughs> I guess not. So Lila and Sam, they're like, we're going to check on this on her own. We'll, we'll go in, we'll pretend to be a couple, and we'll search the place. <laughs> and the fucking infiltration strategy. <laughs> well, I, part of it's that they still think he killed her for the money. So they they don't realize that there's just sort of a real animal danger to this guy. They just think, I mean, there there is this monetary crime that was done, and we we need to uh, find evidence to convict this guy. And they search cabin one. Uh, <laughs> they have, uh, I, I think, before there is the part where they're distracting him, but first they happen to go in there, and he's not there. And yeah. they do find the scrap of one of, of the cut-up note that she tried to flush with yeah, which, the 40K on it. Which, yeah, there, there's enough of that note in that scrap that to them, they're like, oh, shit, yeah, she's been here. Yeah, I mean, this is clear evidence that she was in this room. Yeah. 
So Lila's like, I got to talk to the mother. Uh, I'm sure Arbogast must have gotten something from her. And that's why he's not here. He he had to chase down the lead. Because <laughs> they, they cannot imagine that this uh, unassuming guy ha- would have killed Arbogast. That just does not seem reasonable. Yeah, yeah that doesn't. <laughs> he's, he's like basically a cop. Right. So this is when they're getting Sam to talk to Norman to distract him while Lila goes and searches. well gee norman i've been doing all the talking don't you have anything to say no yeah norman's a little uncomfortable with him it's like i don't i don't know what your deal is man so lila searches the house yep and she she finds the the bedroom yeah Uh, and yeah on mother's bed there's just a big mother-shaped indent there is just this wedge in the bed and it is a very specific shape and it's like a corpse has been there for a long time <laughs> it's like a like a cartoon cutout almost yeah yeah and she also finds norman's room which is very sad it's a, a cot he's he sleeps on a child's cot uh it's a very minimalist child's room still yeah yeah with like all his uh whatever like childhood shit he would have had yeah clearly nothing, nothing unchanged yep. he, he's he is completely arrested so Sam is like interrogating Norman back in the office and he's starting to allege that he's hiding his mother away somewhere as well as the money. They they don't he he hasn't clued in that the mother has to have been dead. Yeah. <laughs> they, they buried her. He thinks that there was some faked death and that she's just like hidden which I don't know how he would make sense of that. Why? <laughs> yeah he's like man if i had forty thousand dollars i sure would try to get out of here wouldn't wouldn't you and norma's like no forty thousand dollars i don't know what you're talking about what I even is this like the the forty thousand dollars has no reference point for him because he never even saw it so he like, never found what? out the 40 grand existed yeah so it's meaningless to him and uh like sam is trying to land that as like this fucking stinger and like i've got you and it just it goes over his head, but they struggle. Yeah. Uh, he, he, Norman starts to realize that something's amiss and he wants to go find out what's going on in the house and they fight. Uh, Norman hits Sam over the head with a pot, knocks him the fuck out, mm-hmm. <laughs> runs into the house. So Lila hides in the cellar where she finds mother. Oh, yeah. It's like, I, I'm impressed at the corpse effect here. Yeah, it's a creepy mummified corpse. Uh, she's very long dead. We, mm-hmm. she's in the chair facing away, and there's just the the bare light bulb and that amazing, uh, heavily copied shot of her turning the chair and the light bulb <laughs> swinging. And, yeah. yeah. Oh man, Inspector Gadget fucking copies this shot. Yeah, in the opening <laughs> sequence. Yep. <laughs> so Lila screams, and Norman comes in running, dressed up as mom. He screams, Norma Bates! I'm Norma Bates! <laughs> <laughs> and Sam gets him, wrestles the knife away. It's that weird bit. He he, When he's grabbing him and he's like wrestling the knife away, he somehow wrestles him out of the entire dress. He just like falls through the clothing <laughs> and he's not in it anymore. It's very weird. Yeah. Just to reveal that it's clearly Norman in case anyone was unsure. <laughs> I do feel like the the only real flaw that this movie has for me is the ending is unnecessarily overexplained. Like we don't need the psychiatrist 
giving a 10 minute talk about what Norman is about at the end. It really is 10 minutes. It's like, it's okay, full 10 minutes. so yeah. <laughs> just in case you were even a little bit unsure as to what's going on here, here is the entire thing and there is no room for interpretation with this character after I'm done. Yeah, it's like, let me give you all of the details so that you fully understand. And it's like, I feel like we already mostly understood and it would have been fine. One thing that I do think is sort of interesting in here, though, is they actively state he is not trans. He's mentally ill. It's different. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not about <laughs> sex or gender for him. It's about he's uh, being his person. mother. Yeah. yeah, it's like, no, no, it's it's not a sexual thing. It's not a gender thing. He is his mom. That's psychopathy not <laughs> not a gender issue uh yeah. and i like that i i think that's pretty cool to have in there but the rest yeah. of it is just they're over explaining everything like yeah norman bates no longer exists uh we got a full confession from mother norman wouldn't talk to <laughs> to us at all but norman killed mom 10 years ago so he was actually the one who poisoned both of them yeah and uh, there's a lot more bodies in the swamp oh yeah uh yeah <laughs> there's like there's a bit where like lila's saying so did he kill my sister and it's like yeah but no it's like yes yeah and no. i mean he physically did but it was mother doing it in his mind yeah. it's like okay i guess well i think and, please I, I think the explanation like the reason it exists is because split personalities weren't really a thing in like mainstream yeah. consciousness yet psycho hadn't come out yet yeah and and uh just the the concept of the split personality is kind of a fiction to begin with it's yeah that, it's, it's little, not really how it works but yeah. it, it's complicated and they <laughs> the science at the time wasn't necessarily i mean it's barely there now so yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky it's pretty yeah. tricky but yeah, I, I like it's handled pretty well. They're trying to rely on actual psychology. They're not uh <laughs> it, it's it's not totally made up bullshit, at least. And they don't try to like shoehorn in a supernatural or an unexplained right. element either. It's like, no, this is what happened. Yeah, it, it's all very realistic. I feel there there's a real documentary realism to a lot of this, despite how stylized uh the filmmaking is. Mm-hmm. But we get that great final moment, which is worthwhile. Like, I do feel that <laughs> the whole psychiatrist thing is way too long and unnecessary. But I, I do like Norman just sitting in the room being mother. And, oh, there's a fly. You know, I'm not even going to swat it. <laughs> then they'll see I wouldn't hurt a fly. I wouldn't they'll even see. harm a fly. They'll see. they'll see. I really love that one. There's just a few frames just at the end where we're, we're zoomed in on his grinning face and there's a few frames of the mummy the the corpse yeah the like superimposed, superimposed. over his face Looks just so before creepy. we fade into the car being dug up from the swamp yeah which is the final image of the car coming out and obviously the first of many uh, yeah and, oh yeah you know, seeing the the plates and stuff and you know knowing the history of the plates and everything uh yeah fucking really haunting ending both of those images mm -hmm. yeah like <laughs> damn that was that was a good movie <laughs> so fucking good i i do feel that in terms of haunting imagery this one is the most full of that kind of stuff 
there, there's just so much that you see and there there's a an ominous nature to it the house obviously the sign uh norman's face with the the corpse and the swamp the way it goes in the way it comes out there's just so much shit like that that's amazing the taxidermy yeah i I really like like the shot of the shower head from like inside the shower stream oh yeah which uh, classic yeah like i don't know why it's creepy but maybe because of the association that's been ingrained in my brain no yeah i mean this shot is what is what created that show like this scene is is the first time that shot was used and that's yeah you know the the most famous kill scene in history uh yeah a really great movie uh another fucking hit from hitchcock we we've really had uh, a string of them we've we've done a lot of great hitch this year we really have uh we he it's been all hitch no misses So do you have any last thoughts before we move on to part two this week? Oh, we'll see if I have last thoughts. We'll see. We'll uh, see. They'll see. They'll see. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> no, this isn't working. Oh, you, you're doing the, is I'm doing it like the Norman Frankenstein thing, but it thing? Oh, the Norman did thing. not work. Oh, yeah, no, I didn't even pick it up. No, no, it was completely poorly executed. Uh, all right. Well, we'll head on to part two, and we're back for part two, where we're talking about two fucking all-time horror classics, two of the original, the, the first two of the Universal Monsters pictures, the 1931 Dracula, the English language version, and the 1931 Frankenstein. Now, when I was looking at the uh at the different listings of movies i saw there's did i see correctly that there's two different movies called dracula in 1931 there is a spanish language version that was made simultaneously uh a different director but shot on the same sets uh just they use the sets at night oh cool so so it's the same stuff, but then a different crew came and did their own version of this kind of different crew, different cast, same script, same sets. But yeah, one one in English, one in Spanish. Uh, the Spanish one is included. It's it's very interesting. It's worth a watch. Okay, cool. I, you lose something without Lugosi. I do feel well, like Lugosi is really key to this film, but uh, yeah, he, I, he I, created the iconic Dracula voice. Yeah, I I, I think maybe the the Mina in that one is better. Mm, something about Mina in this. Yeah, she's a little. She's okay. She's kind of flat. Not. She's not bad. She's just kind of flat. I mean, people didn't know how to do horror yet. Uh, uh, people really didn't know how to do like how to act uh, like a horror victim that didn't. Th- this is it was new, especially in <laughs> sound. I mean, there were oh, there yeah. were silent horror films, but not a lot of them. Like this is the it, first blockbuster horror picture in in the sound era. Before that, I guess there's really just Lon Chaney's uh, uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Okay, which that was huge in the in the twenties. Oh shoot! Yeah, I never saw that either. Um, I've seen it. It's it's in the stacks. It's pretty good. Cool, cool. Um, one of the interesting things about this movie for me, seeing where the Dracula the film dracula kind of originated and 
by seeing where he came from, I can kind of see like how he's evolved over the years uh, and how it's a little bit different from what he is now. Well, yeah. Well, and, and it's also weird because it's the, as I alluded to last week, this is based on a stage play based on the book. So we're already like a couple levels of uh, we're, we're several certified copies down. James. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the, the, uh, the, there was a stage play in 1924, uh, which was an adaptation of the novel from 1897. So the novel's like 28 years old by that point. And okay. then this is like another seven years later. The play is a huge hit, uh, runs for years. So, uh, there, there's lots of people who have done, uh, cool stage Draculas. Uh, I know Lugosi himself went to doing stage Dracula for years. Oh, yeah. Cool. Um, shame he couldn't be the... Uh, we'll probably talk about it, but it's a shame he couldn't be the uh, Academy Award-winning actor. Yeah. Uh, unfortunate. Uh, just everything with Lugosi. He, he kind of... He sort of fucked himself on it. Like it is partially his fault. It, it, it was vanity in not wanting to take a role where he wore a lot of makeup and you couldn't see his face. Yeah, and uh... <laughs> <laughs> he would have been set for life otherwise. Oh man! <laughs> uh, but but we wouldn't have had all those funny lines in Ed Wood, though. It's true. But There's no really... way. Yeah, there's no way he would have ended up working with Ed Wood had he taken Frankenstein and continued to be the superstar. But he became second banana once uh, uh, Karloff took that role. Yeah, which, uh, well, we're going to be talking about that, too. Most certainly. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, uh, he he created the iconic Dracula, though, or embodied that. the The version of Dracula that we envision like it, yeah, anytime yeah. you think of dracula you basically think of lugosi or variations that have come after lugosi there, there's nosferatu previous to this but that's oh, a much right. more animalistic dracula that's the one where he's got like the pointy ears and he's bald right he, his Correct. face kind of looks like a bat yeah and like just weird dude who played him a guy named max shrek i think uh Max Shrek, that's the name of the freaking um oh the guy the bad guy in Batman Returns. Yeah, Christopher, Walken. Christopher Walken's character, I believe, is directly no named shit. after him. Uh and it, like I think it's the guy's real name. He's Max Shrek. There's also that really weird fictionalized version of the making of the movie, Shadow of the Vampire. Did you ever see that? No. Uh with Willem Dafoe playing him. Oh shit! Okay, that... uh, <laughs> really fun movie <laughs> from the early aughts where it, it it pretends to be a making of the original Nosferatu, but uh, the gag is that the guy's actually a vampire on set. Like he, he's just <laughs> this vampire that they got a hold of, and he's in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that sounds a lot of fun. It's really good. I recommend it. I haven't seen it in years. I saw it in the theater. I don't think I've seen it since. I saw it uh, in a really weird triple bill. Let me think. Hang on. I got to remember the triple bill I saw it in at the Roxy, which used to be a repertory movie house and would just have weird groups of movies. And you buy like a $2 ticket to see three movies. Oh man. I moved here after that place, <laughs> after the Roxy's heyday. 
it yeah. was pretty well done when I moved here. Yeah, it was it was cool back in the day. Uh, it was, I think, Space Cowboys, Shadow of the Vampire, and Scary Movie. <laughs> Ooh, bizarre, <laughs> interesting, bizarre pairing. It, it may have been actually Perfect Storm, Shadow of the Vampire, and Scary Movie. Come to think of it still interesting (laughs) (laughs) like at least all four of those are ones i did see around the same time in triple bills there uh anyway dracula 31 uh yeah the the Um, iconic lugosi performance um more yeah a lot more than that is iconic too we've got like iconic sets uh the castle the the room castle there's also weird stuff that is like it's so cool to see it because it's the dawn of horror and you're like wow that's so weird i don't know what they were doing there they know that didn't catch on <laughs> like uh, all the weird animals oh yeah his little his little zoo of uh little animal coffins he's got these rats and armadillos and oh there's yeah, a possum with his little cricket coffin yeah oh, it's the a possum the possum so it's it's not really a cricket and it's we we thought it was a bee it looks like a bee most people think vampire bee uh it's a jerusalem cricket which is not actually a cricket it's just some kind of bug apparently its bite is really fucking painful <laughs> <laughs> so you know perfect for a vampire yeah not bad yeah it's it's cool <laughs> uh and also uh, like later when uh renfield shows up and he's talking to lugosi the first time talking to drac uh, there are armadillos running around in the cobwebs. I love that shit because they people thought, wow, armadillos. Most people haven't seen those. They look kind of creepy. They put them Honestly, in all sorts of movies around this time. Man, <laughs> I don't see armadillos in things. No, because like, <laughs> I mean, people just realize that people know what armadillos are now because you know people have encyclopedias and the internet. But the, in the wild wild era of the 30s is like oh that's an alien creature we can just put that in a movie people will have no idea what it is <laughs> oh my god i bet platypi blew their minds oh, absolutely <laughs> platypi still blow my mind how does that even <laughs> they're weird they're they're weird they're real life pokemon oh they totally are yeah <laughs> Uh, we open on a dark and stormy night necessarily Pennsylvania. Uh, one of the things with these universal monster movies they all take place in this same i don't know when or where <laughs> you know i feel like because not long after watching this uh, we'll talk about it briefly i watched the second one uh, dracula's mm. daughter rules i feel like the two films take place in different eras despite the fact that they happen five minutes after each other yeah like we we pick up minutes later and then (laughs) if like it is six or five years later in hollywood and it's it's a whole lifetime later because the haze code came in and it's also a queer movie so that one is just it's it's a totally different genre of film (laughs) it it is like it, it it's arguably not a horror, and it's definitely not a horror in the style of this film. No, very different style of movie, and clearly, like, legitimately about queerness. I, it's, it's using the metaphor of vampirism, but it's pretty obvious that it is 
at its bones about that and it's just like well we've got a code so if we want to do this story we can put it in the universal horror franchise <laughs> just just make them a vampire we'll call it good yeah that'll, that'll that's works uh but yeah the, this one we have that is it do we see the coffins in the start is it that where we get the the vampire bee um it, it's after it's when renfield gets to the castle Okay, so oh, we no, do it's... start with Renfield. No, yeah, I, we I start with Renfield. Okay. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> oh man, Renfield in this is just perfect. Big fan of Dwight Fry's Renfield. He's such a dope in the beginning. I mean, it, it's it's weird. This is a compression of the story because uh, you may remember in the Bram Stoker's Dracula. Have you seen that? You've seen that, right? Uh, no, actually, no. I haven't. Uh, Keanu Reeves. I've mostly seen like cartoon Draculas, so That's I don't right. even really know the story outside of uh, learning, okay. watching this movie. Yeah, because this one isn't a lot like the book, but neither is the 91 uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, despite putting his name in the title. It's not all that Bram Stokery. But <laughs> uh, Keanu Reeves, his character is Jonathan Harker in that, and most of this first stuff with Renfield is actually Jonathan Harker stuff in the book and most versions. Oh, in but, this movie, John Harker doesn't do anything. Yeah. Jonathan Harker, he has nothing to do because they gave most of his stuff to Renfield, partially because there is a different thing with Renfield where he has gone ahead of Harker and been the first point of contact. Then he sends Harker having already come back and gone a little bit crazy. But it's Harker who actually goes there and meets Dracula and has the thing with the brides and comes back. And the the thing is, Harker is like coming back from it after Dracula gets there. He's like coming back because, you know, he knows Dracula's coming and he wants to save people. <laughs> I just feel like that's needlessly complicated. And well, they, they couldn't. This movie's an hour and 10 minutes well, long. Yeah. They're not fitting that in. Yeah, well, again, the this is based on a stage play, so they, they had already cut it down to something that you could do on a stage with just people and sets. Uh, and you know, the novel is it it's an epistolary. It's just a bunch of letters back and forth. It's oh, incredibly right. long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I never read the book, so I didn't even know that until you mentioned it the last week. It's decent. Uh, I, I I would not say that anyone is exactly blaspheming by uh, riffing on the story and making their own version of it. It's it's an interesting <laughs> novel. It's more important for what it introduced. Uh, it's not great writing. There's a reason you don't really hear about any other Bram Stoker books. He did write other books. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, we've got, of course, the classic setup. Renfield has got to get to the castle at midnight. He has a meeting with Count Dracula, but the coachman doesn't want to take him there because it's Count Dracula. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but he doesn't understand why. I really like his innocent <laughs> surprise. Like, <laughs> well, but I want to go there. I'm not scared. This is a silly superstition. And they're like, 
no no guy you're not a local you don't understand <laughs> like everybody it's it's the classic uh villagers thing where he says oh well i'm off to see count dracula and everyone's like everybody goes silent and turns and like <laughs> dogs howling <laughs> but he does manage to convince the coachman to take him there of to course the borgo pass where yeah. dracula meets him himself pretending to be the coachman but i mean those eyes oh. who else could it oh, be fuck. <laughs> i didn't even realize i mean it's clearly lugosi's eyes <laughs> oh, duh, because the coachman <laughs> is disappeared and a bat is driving the horses and yeah only one guy can do which that which is so funny there's a bat <laughs> and the there's the reins just floating that's hilarious <laughs> like that's the damnedest thing about this movie is that it's spooky and there's creepy stuff and there's like moments that are chilling but there's also like extremely silly shit like a bat <laughs> a, a bat <laughs> and like the whole thing later on with renfield and that guard yes uh everything of... with those two Everything with Renfield is just really funny to me. His conversations, his philosophical conversations post being uh, uh, hypnotized. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he gets to the castle and who, of course, should meet him but Count Dracula himself, played by... The legendary Bella Lugosi. Bella Lugosi, uh, and it's it's an amazing performance. Like he's so captivating right from the moment he appears at the top of these fucking cool ruined stairs, the gigantic, uh, uh, huge uh, cobweb that covers the entire span of the staircase, and the awesome effect where he just like they cut it so seamlessly that it really looks like he walks through it. Yeah, he just passes through it, and then, of course, yeah. Renfield has to fight through it. And as I mentioned to you when you were watching it, it's so <laughs> funny to me that they have this in, this beautiful, immaculate effect, followed by the silliest rubber spider <laughs> just pulled it on, on a string up the wall. Like, whoop, whoop, whoop. And Renfield goes, whoa! <laughs> hey, you know what? I bet on a, on a movie theater screen in 1931, that shit looked amazing. It probably didn't look uh, too bad then, yeah. It, the, the, the well, clarity, I wouldn't say amazing. Yeah, I, don't, I would not say amazing, but the clarity was not what we have. They weren't, yeah. they weren't looking at... We, we are watching this on 1080p Blu-ray restoration version, so... <laughs> yeah, they didn't... You gotta allow. I don't think they didn't even have... <laughs> I was going to say, what kind of resolution did they have? They didn't have resolution. There weren't pixels. Yeah, no, I mean... That wasn't even a thing. The The early projection screens, I, the, the early projectors definitely were not as sophisticated as what we have now. Uh, no. I mean, it's been almost 100 years, so... Yeah. <laughs> uh, he shows up to his room, and, and like, they, I love... I always reference this because it's kind of my favorite line. He's always just like, oh, I do not drink wine. Wine. (laughs) (laughs) I don't drink wine. Yeah, it's a really nice pause. And not too much of one, but just enough of one. Oh, yeah. No, I over-exaggerated the (laughs) shit out of it. It's it's like the perfect amount of pause where it's like, did he do that because he's being a creepo or did he do that because of his accent? <laughs> and like, that is one of the amazing elements of this. Of course, the the famous anecdote about this, that uh, Lugosi learned the whole role phonetically because he didn't speak English yet. That is so 
incredibly hard to do. I tried to, uh, just to see if I could, I tried to like learn one Japanese sentence, like an anime character's catchphrase, mm. uh, without really understanding what the words actually meant. It, I could never make it. I couldn't do it right. It's hard. Yeah, it's it's tough, and it, it's very impressive. Like it, it adds an otherworldliness to the performance, but it's also it it's crazy how much he nails the timing and uh the 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 sort of the the tone of moments like that the the that yeah. one especially but just the whole speech when he appears at the top of the stairs and he's or or when he's uh talking about when when he hears the wolves howling like the children of the night it's great mm-hmm. i did you welcome yeah like, like if you hadn't told me that, I would not have guessed. Yeah, no, I it's never crazy. would have figured out that he didn't know what his lines were. <laughs> and of course, later he 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 would just like do this on stage for years. So he just had this. He was a machine as Dracula. Eventually, it's crazy they didn't ever get him to play Dracula again. In... Yeah, what's up with that? Because <laughs> there's a bunch of sequels, and they do actually start having just count dracula again in some of the sequels and even in like crossovers which is wild there's <laughs> these become crossovers like it's a shared universe the universal monsters pictures i want um, this is obviously impossible now, <laughs> but i want a dracula versus frankenstein remake starring boris karloff and bella lugosi i mean that would be cool there are ones where it is dracula and frankenstein but they don't really ever fight which is, I, I think that was kind of the 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 allure of Dracula versus Frankenstein. Like, let's actually have them fight. <laughs> there, there was yeah. something where like Dracula controls Frankenstein. I think. Yeah. It's been a while since I've watched the later sequels. That's when you got that kind of stuff. You'll have like uh, Dracula, Frankenstein, and Wolfman all just hanging out in a castle. <laughs> 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 the only constant is Lon Chaney Jr. is the Wolfman. He's he's the only uh, one who's always the same guy. Oh yeah, and he was in Dracula versus Frankenstein. That's right. Yeah, he's uh, that's As I not think a it's Wolfman, or is he? No, he's just a. I think he's just like an Igor. Yeah, he's more of an Igor. Who? That's a Bela Lugosi character, by the way. No kidding. Because you know Igor's not in Frankenstein, as you notice. He is not. Uh, it's a guy named Fritz. Yeah. Igor later shows up, and it, that it's Lugosi, and it's maybe his best role. He's incredible in that. Oh, shit. Okay, I'll have to, I'll have to look for that. That's uh, Son of Frankenstein. Oh. The third one. <laughs> oh, cool. And <laughs> the third Dracula is Son of Dracula. Yeah. Hmm. So, so Renfield. Yeah, after, yeah, Renfield. Uh, they settle all the agreements. Uh, the Count is going to take possession of this abbey in England, and that's what Renfield's there for. He's like a real estate guy. Yeah, Carfax Abbey. Yeah, um, th- which will be sort of kind of the setting for the rest of the film after this part. Yeah, it's uh, it's where he lives after this. Uh, yeah. And I, like it does anchor this in England, whereas some of these others it's not really clear where any of them are supposed to take place. They're just Europe and they're just, they, they take place in the past (laughs) (laughs) or the present. Yeah. Tell me, tell me 
confidently that Dracula's daughter did not take place in 1936. Well, yeah, that one definitely feels like it is set in the present day. Most of the others are a little more dreamy and like, I don't know when this is supposed to be. That one definitely felt modern. Yep. Uh, Speaking of Dracula's daughters, we've got three... No, those are his three wives. Those are Dracula's wives. Oh, okay. It's much more clear in the uh, Bram Stoker's version. They they get to have whole scenes. I think they have like a foursome with Keanu Reeves in that movie. (laughs) If I recall correctly. (laughs) They couldn't do that in 1931. (laughs) No, no. They just, them and uh, Dracula, they all just turn Renfield. And one thing I like about this film versus like a lot of other Dracula stuff is Lugosi does like like the silent film version of a Dracula attack, like with the, the exaggerated arms out mm-hmm. and like he hesitates. And, it, uh, it's very imagistic. You're, you're working on like more of an expressionist mode. It's, it's, you know, in it's, it's so close to the silent era that everybody is still kind of doing that style of acting and you have imagery that is more inspired by the silent era you, you haven't quite gotten to the point that you can rely on the sound to drive the narrative uh and and also like you don't have color yet so you have to really yeah. uh, know how to make things pop out in black and white yeah which which he does and it's kind of cool because in this movie he's the only one who does it yeah so it it further adds to his whole otherworldly thing Mm-hmm. and uh yeah renfield gets got and the next scene we see he's like in a boat talking he... to dracula's and this is where he's really renfield <laughs> <laughs> he's like oh master thank you remember your promise you're going to give me lives not big ones mind you just little ones and flies and mice and <laughs> that, that one scene where they they have him just going he 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 at the bottom of a set of stairs very fucking spooky oh yeah and but and that's here because he's the only one who survived the storm. oh right right when they when they finally wash up and they open the the door to the boat <laughs> yeah it's so eerie just uh you sent me a clip of it because i've never seen dracula dead and loving it i had never seen that movie uh but you, you sent me a clip and they're they're clearly doing this renfield in oh that yes movie. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like like uh i had that's the only other kind of classical version of dracula that i, that I had seen even though it's obviously parody mm-hmm. and so i didn't realize that that renfield wasn't wasn't a joke and Renfield was really like that yeah that is it is just a direct copy of this performance which is so wild <laughs> and Leslie Nielsen does a decent Lugosi that Dracula yeah I mean I think uh Leslie Nielsen's a fucking pro you know, he, oh for he, sure you can never really go far wrong no no he's, he's great so Renfield goes to the sanatorium he goes to the sanatorium uh he is committed, uh, but Dracula is out and walking around the streets of London with his like Dracula cape and his Dracula medal and his top hat. But he just looks like a guy. Yeah, because he sort so of fits cool. in because it's just the past. 
yeah. also the, the place he lives, Carfax Abbey, like is right next to the sanatorium, which is very right. convenient. Yeah, very convenient. So first thing he does actually is he makes contact with the owner of the sanatorium there, Mr. Seward. Dr. Seward, uh, that's it. And <laughs> C word, Doctor C word, yeah. No, I know. And uh, his daughter is Mina. His daughter is uh, Mina, which is, I I don't think it's his daughter in the other versions. I know in the Bram Stoker's Dracula in ninety one, he's like another guy who's interested in Mina, or so maybe he's dating Lucy. But he's like a younger dude. He's definitely not her dad. Oh, okay. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's it's the the Mina is of course uh, the main interest of Dracula. But first, there's Lucy. Lucy, Lucy wants that D, Dracula. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Lucy is always usually portrayed as the uh, hornier one. <laughs> she's well, she's the one who goes who who's interested and who like makes first contact. Mm-hmm. I, I love that her and Mina are like having this talk, and it's like, who do you think's hotter, Count Dracula or John? <laughs> and Mina's like, I kind of like John, you know. <laughs> like, he's he's my fiance. Also, he's not a scary corpse. Well, I mean, all all of this stuff is completely invented for presumably the play, rather than because yeah. in in the book he's gross. Like it, mm. nobody finds him handsome or anything. He's he's kind of a monster. He's a rat man. Yeah, here <laughs> here it's believable that somebody would be horny for this yeah. rich, kind of young, kind of hot guy. Yeah, uh, Lugosi is not a bad looking dude, and yeah. he does have sort of those matinee idol eyes. It's, yeah. And he's he's well dressed. He's rich. He, yeah, <laughs> younger than a usual Dracula representation. Yes. Um, and yeah, yeah, Lucy's into him. Lucy's super into him. Uh, so he uh, comes and gets her that first night. He she's the first victim in pretty much all versions. Ah, uh, I think like once once you kind of get there, and then she depending on the version, will have her own storyline where she's a vampire and she's, like, getting kids and stuff. They touch on that in this, that Lucy is, like, the woman in white who gets kids. They mention it, yeah. Yeah, but they never do anything with it. I think it's just... uh, the This was the level of horror they could get away with at the time, at total maximum. And having a vampire later lady killing and biting kids they wouldn't have been allowed well, that's <laughs> like, fair. That's we, fair. we wouldn't we'd like we just get to run out of town on a rail we can't do that uh <laughs> things were people were very sensitive about their films in this era <laughs> well one thing i do find kind of interesting about this one as a person who's watching this in 2023 and who was born like 50 years after this movie came out mm. is that it takes place in a world where the world hasn't heard of dracula yeah that is weird yeah like like even in more modern dracula adaptations people will have heard like the legend of count dracula yeah people say the name dracula like dracula you're that dracula yeah but here is like dracula is just just the name of a guy to these people and that's that's an interesting thing to me 
Yeah, it is very strange. I mean, I guess this was a period where Dracula was not that famous of a name yet. This is the movie that made it. This famous. is the movie, yeah. Uh, but it is strange. Like, it, it feels weird to have it in a modern setting with that. Like, if it were 1640 and people were like, Dracula? Oh, hi, Mr. Dracula. That would be fine. <laughs> yeah, then, like, you could have the reveal much later that he's a monster. Yeah, but yeah. it being, you know... Uh, guys i'm a monster hey also i'm dracula yeah it seems to be relatively present day i mean 1931 ish maybe ish it's maybe they said it it could be said back like 1890 but even then it's like come on really (laughs) although to be fair the the novel dracula hadn't come out like it it came (laughs) out in like 1898 so yeah yep it's just so, so saturated in our culture now. <laughs> so we've got all these uh, newspaper articles that we're seeing about the woman in white attacking people right. uh, and taking their blood. And Van Helsing thinks it's this guy in the sanatorium who is eating bugs. Yeah, Renfield. Renfield, who, yeah. It, 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 and when they have these philosophical discussions with him, it does seem like it would be what he's into, but it also seems clear that He's not capable of it yet. <laughs> not at all. Uh, the only thing he's really capable of is getting out of jail and bothering <laughs> bothering Van Helsing and company. He likes to get out and trouble them. Uh, he's always trying to catch rats or anything he can to eat because he, he wants blood. He's mostly eating bugs. And uh, he's got this this one guard whose whole job is just to make sure he stays in jail. It's like, oh, you, you're a loony. Can't Andy getting out of jail now? <laughs> yeah. Uh, classic stereotype Irish police. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we uh, we meet Van Helsing here, who's analyzing the case. He is uh, not the super badass Hugh Jackman vampire hunter that I'm used to. He's an old professor dude. I love Edward Van Sloan as Professor Van Helsing. He's got so much pep, uh, vim. I want to use all like words that you would uh, use to describe a peppy old person in like 1954. Uh, Pep, vim, vigor. Uh, (laughs) There's such a joie de vivre about him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There is, and and yeah, he he's old, but like. Yeah, he's full of vitality. He's he doesn't seem like he's anywhere close to being on his way out. And he seems to have like it's not just that he's interested in this stuff. He's fascinated by it. He thinks it's so much fun. He's really interested in all of this stuff. Uh Anthony Hopkins in uh the 91 version is is uh is is their version of Van Helsing, and he does this too. He's really having a good time. He is just chewing up that scenery. <laughs> oh man, I, I love a good Hopkins performance when he's when he's trying. Yeah, it, I mean he's hamming it up, but he's really having a good time with it. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So he's so Renfield is telling, interrupting their talk about what vampires are because. Helsing has to explain it to the audience, who is doesn't necessarily know. Right. And he's like, Master, send me away, or my annoying screams are going to bother Mina. Right. So we know that there is an obsession with Mina. Yeah, he yeah. is obsessed with Mina. 
And they're all like, yeah, whatever. Go back into your cage, Renfield. How do you keep getting out of here? <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> just notice you were partying without me. He, he he just he's this sad sack guy who just like keeps like ah oh, seems like everyone else is having a really good time. I wish I could get invited. This <laughs> 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 is very bizarre. He's like oh, my master didn't think he'd he'd actually give me what I wanted. I guess I'll just stay here. <laughs> <laughs> And Van Helsing suspects Renfield, so he pulls out the wolf's bane, and Renfield's like, ah, you know too much to live, I'm gonna kill you, I mean. <laughs> and how is he going to? I mean, Renfield He's has no power. Not. <laughs> he has like, absolutely zero capability. Like, somehow... He had very little capability when we saw him at the beginning traveling to Transylvania. He seemed dim. Now he he's dim <laughs> and he's insane. Less. Yeah, he has lost power becoming semi-vampiric. It's like he's moved down a peg somehow. <laughs> but, you know, he's talking to the bat. Or no, he's not talking to the bats. He's looking out the window and... Mm. It's just like that scene uh, from Mandy where Nick Cage is staring at the tiger guy and the guy's just like having this one-sided conversation. But it's a wolf. It, oh, it is a wolf. Yeah, I know there, you're right. There's a wolf howling. Uh, and, yeah, he's like, don't ask me to do that, master. And I would presume that it is actually supposed to be Dracula as oh, the wolf communicating absolutely. to him. It's just... It does seem ridiculous. <laughs> no, yeah, no, they clarify. It's like, yeah, he can turn into wolves and bats. Right, yeah. yeah. That, that is actually a pretty funny sequence. And he's like, well, but we saw what seemed to be a dog running away. I'm like, oh, like, <laughs> it, it feels like uh, Van Helsing just changing the, you know, it's it's a Calvin Ball type thing. Like, oh, <laughs> well, no, he can, he can do that. He can do that he, too. He can, yeah, yeah. Yeah. One uh one thing that's not in this one is vampires not being able to go into a place unless they're invited. That he can just go in if the window's open. It's sort of weird. The the first time it happens is with Renfield, and I think it's that Renfield is able to let him in from that point forward because he lives in the sanitarium. Uh but oh, he, that makes sense. He, he's able to get in the window with Renfield because he hypnotizes him first. Mm, okay. Like he hypnotizes him outside of the window to let him in, which seems like a cheat, quite honestly. <laughs> you have to be invited in, but you can hypnotize them into letting you in if they're near a, an exit. That seems like a cheat. Yeah, you know, I agree. Like, <laughs> oh, you can't come in unless I let you in. Well, will you let me in? Yes, I will. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Although, to be fair, it's also his house. Seems like he should just be able to come in that door. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but with uh, Renfield's help, Dracula is able to bite Mina. Yes. And now she is turned. Slowly. She's Slowly. like very gradually is... turning. Yeah. Uh, Van Helsing is examining her and she finds the bite marks on her neck. And this is one of my favorite line deliveries. <laughs> Say, uh, see words like, what could have caused these bite marks and we just hear the maid from the distance like right away count dracula <laughs> oh yeah her announcing him showing up <laughs> uh, which is also the scene where we get the mirror thing 
yes, the mirror thing. Because this is where Van Helsing first meets Dracula for the first time. Mm-hmm. And he's having a conversation with, I think, Jonathan? No, he's he's talking to maybe Mina, and then Van Helsing realizes that there's only one reflection in a mirror. Yeah, yeah, when he's... Because uh, the cigarette box has a mirror on it, and right. he's just pulling out a cigarette. And just kind of casually looking while Dracula's talking to Mina. And, and he, like, like, gestures to Harker and is like, hey, hey, check this out, look. Look at this. And like, hey, uh, Count Dracula, would you like a cigarette? And like opens up the, the mirror in his face and goes, ah! <laughs> Yeah, he like smashes it down. He's like, sorry, I don't like mirrors. That was a normal reaction, though. Don't worry about that. Yeah. I, just, I, I don't like mirrors. Uh, I'll, I'll pay you off. Anyway, uh, bye. I'm going to exit but Dracula, that's the balcony. Hey, there's a dog running across the way and Dracula's gone. <laughs> yeah, weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. It's, it's, it's just like the the psycho thing of uh, the of uh, criminals telling on themselves. Like, oh, uh, well, I've got to go. <laughs> like, you could have gone out a door. There's lots of them. That's how you came in. And then Renfield comes back and, he, and he's like, hey, everyone, it's me, Renfield. Notice the party. <laughs> anyway, Van Helsing is right. Listen to him. I technically didn't betray anyone by saying it that way, right? Yeah, it's weird. I don't know why he's confirming it to them. <laughs> why he's decided he's like, yeah, I'll tell you guys. Because he wants to save Mina. Yeah, because he's obsessed with her. Uh and also he he tells them that oh well Dracula said he was gonna give me thousands of rats and then he's so full of rats. Oh yeah, Bond. like millions and millions of rats. <laughs> uh yeah. He's like, great, that sounds awesome, dude. And they put him back in his cell. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of the rest of the movie is like them examining Mina, uh her slowly becoming more um under control, Renfield popping in. Yeah. Until eventually Van Helsing is like, okay, we gotta do something about this. And the way to do it is to drive a wooden stake through Dracula's heart. He has to go back to his coffin every sunrise or else he'll die. So we just gotta go to where his coffin is and boom, we win. Yeah, we just find the coffin, you break it up, you it's it's just that easy. You can't do anything in daylight. Yeah. Um we know he lives in Carfax Abbey. It's next door. Let's just go over there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but but meanwhile, John wants to take Mina like far, far away from here. And Mina's like, actually, yeah, that's a great idea right now. Yeah, not a bad idea. Um, let me just talk to this flying bat first and see what he has to say about it. Like, oh, then... he doesn't think it's a great idea. He wants <laughs> me to stay. Yeah, yeah, he actually wants me to, uh, um, you know, be his bride and all that. Yeah, and finally, like, Dracula goes to Renfield, and he's like, look, Mina's mine now, okay? <laughs> just <laughs> leave me alone. Go back, go back to your country. I'm sick of your shit. <laughs> but master, you promised! Yeah, but you didn't do anything for me. Yeah, he's been pretty useless. Uh so, so then Helsing is like, all right, I'm 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 coming for you, man. 
<laughs> and everybody's converging on the Abbey. Uh, Dracula's got Mina. Renfield's going on his own to try to. I think he's trying to rescue her, kind of. Or I, think he's, <laughs> I don't know. Really clear what he? I don't think he knows what he's doing. He's just obsessed with her. It, like yeah. that, that is pretty consistent. There is some kind of obsession he has with her. Uh, yeah. There, there's a bit where Van Helsing uh, is unable like dracula cannot hypnotize him because oh, yeah, he's power right. he's he's too strong <laughs> yeah yeah that, actually that's a cool part we we didn't mention the score by philip glass oh yeah yeah uh really great score composed by philip glass uh in the 90s i think maybe late 80s uh that yeah. is included on most modern discs of it and it's fantastic like i like the original library music score with like beethoven and stuff but a uh, really cool original score for it. Adds yeah, so much. And, and yeah, I, and I think the music adds a lot, especially to that Battle of Will scene, because otherwise it's just uh, Bella with a hand out and Van Helsing standing there. Yeah, I mean, it does have music in it the other works. version. It's just, oh, it's not, it? okay. yeah, I mean, there is music. It's just, it's just library music. It's, it's not written for it. So it's just, you know, some classical music they had. I believe it's Beethoven's seventh in that oh, okay. part it, it, it's been a while since i've watched I, I like the glass version i tend to watch that maybe i'll give the other one a watch just to see it's interesting to see like it's it's worth comparing uh dracula ends up killing renfield and he falls down the stairs that's the end of him yeah rip <laughs> renfield uh it, it is very funny at the beginning of uh dracula's daughter that that's the first thing they find like we, we see the police looking at renfield's body at the bottom of the stairs it's like well somebody killed him <laughs> i wonder what's going on here and then <laughs> van helsing comes out and is like what's going on I'm like uh i don't know it's like oh well i've just murdered the man of the house like, okay come with us <laughs> he was a vampire you see <laughs> yeah um yeah that's literally it the sun has come yeah. up so uh van helsing stakes dracula yeah mina is saved mina and john remember john no i barely really. remember john <laughs> <laughs> he didn't do anything in this not this no, version he was there but no he didn't yeah. do anything uh they all live happily ever after except for van helsing who is about to face uh murder charges in yeah the you next don't... movie you don't get that at the end of this one, but when it comes back to Dracula's daughter, of course, in the opening minutes, he's arrested for murder. It's it's much like um, King Kong in the sequel to Kong, um, Son of Kong, I think. Oh, what happens Mighty there? Joe Young. Uh, it's one of the two. Uh, the the dudes who brought Kong to New York, who ran the whole show and everything. Everybody was suing them, so they had to sneak out of town and they get out of town <laughs> on a boat. I, I like the way the 30s did franchise shit. That's fun. <laughs> and, and then he was arrested. <laughs> <laughs> then he had to go to jail because even though Dracula was a vampire, Van Helsing did still murder the ruler of a European nation. I don't know if he's actually supposed to be... Oh, no, head be... or anything but yeah. he is a rich he's, guy he's who a has... <laughs> he's a rich guy with a title yeah yeah you're gonna yeah. go to jail for killing that dude <laughs> he killed him they even mentioned in in the second one like dude you killed this guy in a brutal 
brutal way too <laughs> yeah and not, and he shows up and he's like chill about it he's pretty cheerful it's like oh yeah i just killed him he was a vampire you see it's totally justified you understand <laughs> like like a big thing of dracula's daughter is yeah. uh he is like okay i need you to convince them that i'm sane so that i can convince them that vampires are real yeah it's like he, he, I, i'm not going to change my story and he stays as cheerful the whole time he's in jail you know they've like dracula doesn't come back to life in the sequel no he doesn't (laughs) oh good shit yeah so that yeah that's dracula that's the first one it's great Uh, good movie it's great real classic like you can see how it started a thing Mm. uh in the same year 1931 james whale frankenstein uh, this one upsets me actually. This the, one's uh, it's heavy. It's like like I, I unlike with Dracula, I've I've always known the story of Frankenstein. Mm. Uh, dude creates a monster using parts he's dug up from grave robbing. Yeah. Uh, monster accidentally kills a girl, gets pitchfork and torched to death. But yeah, uh, we see it's all, all that, it. and it's it's. It's harsh. <laughs> yeah, uh, there there is something to say for the atmosphere of this movie. I think, especially with the set design, uh, you noted it when you were watching it with the uh, the graveyard set. How minimal and eerie it is. There's there's yeah. something kind of skin crawling about uh, the minimalism of these sets. Mm-hmm. Uh, we begin actually with a with a viewer discretion. Oh, yeah, that's like, right. I maybe love that. one of the first ones. I think it probably was the very first one because I think probably a lot of people were upset with Dracula. And well, this is a few months later. Yeah, like, I, okay, we're going to just have a warning this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's exactly what it was. Yeah, uh, I, I saw the they have like a little fact thing on the oh, DVD okay. of course. Uh, that, yeah, they added this after the fact because at the very first screening of Frankenstein, uh, after the credits rolled, the crowd was just dead silent and everyone is just like okay people were upset yeah (laughs) it's an upsetting ending the the idea of uh the the frankenstein concept is a is a really deep horror concept uh one that is very troubling and this is like the first media depiction the first movie version of walking dead uh yeah i guess that wouldn't have been much of a thing before this either I, I feel like the concept of the zombie as the walking dead doesn't exist until the sixties, basically. Cause zombies are a Haitian voodoo thing mm-hmm. prior to that. Uh, so they're like, it's involved with like burying someone as if they were dead and they rise again, but they're not supposed to actually be a reanimated rotting corpse, which this is uh, it would be, existentially troubling to be at the very first showing of something that invented zombies <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and, and this was still like, that's a new idea in their head now it's like oh and, jesus yeah this is still like a century ago like faith is still much more prevalent in uh, uh i guess in pop culture than it than it is yeah, now absolutely yeah and like he even says it's like this man tried to do something without the without god's approval and that might upset you guys right 
uh, as I mentioned in the opening credits, it is credited to Mrs. Percy B. Shelley instead of to Mary Shelley, the writer of the novel. Weird. Yeah. Weird bit. I don't know what to make of that. As with Dracula, it is also through the lens of based on a stage play. Okay. There was a 1927 stage play uh, that this is based on that was quite successful. Uh, Frankenstein is the older novel. It's from 1818, the original. Oh, wow. I knew it was old, but I didn't realize it was that much older. Yeah. I, I believe the writing of Dracula was inspired by Frankenstein because I mean, there was not a lot of horror out there. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> guess really a genre. Yeah. As we said earlier, uh, the opening title card, the monster is credited with a question mark. Super cool. Yep. Uh, you don't get to find out who until the, until after the movie. Yeah. And credits, they give the actress name. Really cool idea. Uh, Obviously, it's why Lugosi didn't want to do it. That mm. you know, the how it, it, it it's it's not a star role, or it doesn't feel like a star role. But man, it made it made Karloff's career forever. Oh, for sure. I mean, I ended up having heard of Boris Karloff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he's good. He's really good. <laughs> oh, in this, yeah. Even he doesn't have any speaking lines. Not a single but, line. Yep. Uh, just grunts and screams. Oh my God, the screams at the end. Very, very chilling. Uh, he does have lines in Bride. Oh, because like in in the classic Frankenstein novel, the monster does talk. Okay, like he, I know he's... in some adaptations he's able to be like, "You rang." Well, <laughs> that's <laughs> not exactly, but yeah, you know. but yeah, no. It, in a lot of versions that it that are based on like closer to the original novel, he will talk. Uh, like there's the '95 Mary Shelley's Frankenstein with Robert De Niro as the monster. Oh, I've seen that. That one's weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one's uh, very close to the original book, unlike the Bram Stoker's Dracula. I remember liking that one quite a bit at the time. I'm mixed on it. I haven't seen it in a while. I kind of want to revisit it. Arrow recently put that out. I should pick it up. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> I saw it since it was new. I I, I saw it maybe a decade ago. Uh, uh, but this one fucking rules. This one, I, I feel like it's the perfect version of the story. It's so minimalist. It's got just... it. it it drives through so fast. I mean, it's mm-hmm. 70 minutes and there's a <laughs> lot of stuff packed in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like we open with uh, him robbing not one but two corpses for their body parts, mm-hmm. with his hunchbacked assistant, who's not uh, Igor. Not Igor. No, his name is Fritz, and he is played by the same guy who played Renfield in Dracula. Yeah, Dwight Fry. Uh, I like his Renfield performance better. I Igor agree. doesn't it's get, to, or I'm not Igor. Uh, Fritz. That's. I mean, the the fact that everybody's mind goes to Igor, that Igor is the famous one. It it shows why people remember him for Renfield. Uh, yeah. Fritz is not very memorable. There is Igor who will be the Frankenstein guy. And he also has a hunchback, uh, but that's Lugosi. And he's amazing in that movie, man. I want to see that now. It's good. It's good shit. <laughs> he's so creepy in it. Cause he's this guy who has been hanged, but he didn't die. It just broke his neck. 
Oh, jeez. Okay. So they can't hang him again because they already hung him for the crime. So he's just kind of this dude who is on the fringe of society who's supposed to be dead. Everybody hates him, and he's hooked up with Frankenstein's monster. Like, he's found the monster in a hole and nursed him back to health, and now he's using him as a weapon. It's great shit. Okay, that's that's a little different from the uh, the Igor that I know about. Yeah, he he does end up working with uh, the 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 young Doctor Frankenstein later, because hmm. Young Frankenstein, the uh, the Mel Brooks movie, is based on Son of Frankenstein, the third sequel, or the oh, second okay. sequel, the third movie in the series. Hmm. Mm. Cool. It's um, good shit. It's really funny. <laughs> it's weird as hell. One thing I really liked about the grave robbing scene is the way that he, the first uh, shovel dirt toss that Dr. Frankenstein does, he just like tosses it directly into the face of one of the Gothic statues of one of the other graves. Like just yeah. an additional like, fuck you, God, I'm tramping on your domain. Yeah. But like it, not even intentional. It's it's kind of fun that uh, I think he's Victor Frankenstein in most versions. He's Henry in this? He's Henry Frankenstein in this. Henry. Victor sounds... Moritz is the even right. less useful John Harker. Right, right. Um, uh, that they try to make him a hero and that he's like, they, they care about him at the end and they're gonna... Yeah. It's weird because he's just usually the villain. <laughs> it's not usually... Yeah, like they are trying to portray him as the hero, but he's not doing anything heroic here, and it's well, especially because yeah, especially with the most famous scene being the "It's Alive" moment where he is. That speech is such a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's alive! It's alive! Uh, there, uh, so there, there is a line of like. Now I know what it feels like to be God. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's exactly what he says. I wrote yeah. it down. So fucking good. Yeah, so I mean, but yeah, yeah, the movie wants us to sympathize with him and I don't. Still, yeah, by the end, they're like, yeah, but he's a good guy, right? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, even after like the whole it's alive scene, the, the girlfriend yeah. is like, Okay, well, you know what? Frankenstein's doing something really important, and we're going to support him. Yeah, and it's like he got it out of his system. It's live now. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, now we we've, we've finished the experiment. We'll deal with it. I, we can get married. It's all great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not alive yet, though. You, no. They still need a brain for it, and Doctor Waldman has just the perfect brain. Uh, also played by. What's his name? The Van Helsing guy. Van Sloan, yeah. Yeah. Edward uh, Van Sloan showing up again. Uh, and he's like, this is the brain of an average person. And then he's like, this is an evil criminal brain. <laughs> <laughs> now, the whole young Frankenstein thing. <laughs> yeah. And of course, he's like, you can all look at the brains. Anyway, I'm going to leave them unattended for now. Yeah, uh, and Fritz fumbles the healthy brains. He's like, eh, take the damaged one, that's take fine. Take the damaged one. <laughs> uh, so you, you've you not seen Young Frankenstein, right? I have not. I feel like that's, oh man, it's so good. Uh, Marty Feldman as Igor, because uh, it's it's Igor in that instead, because right. it's 
based on young Frankenstein, but they do this bit because you gotta have the the hunchback hilariously try to juggle two brains and then (laughs) drop one. Yeah. Like Abby normal. (laughs) (laughs) After he steals the criminal brain and just trashes the good one. Uh we we sorry. Yeah, what, what are you going to do with it? <laughs> Drop that brain on the floor. And just that's the end of it. On the floor now. Yeah. Uh, we meet our uh, normal people, Victor and Elizabeth. Right. Elizabeth is somehow, for some reason, in love with Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah. Uh, and Victor, I, don't know. I think his whole thing is that he's just a professional third wheel. I yeah, he's the friend. Uh I don't he really loves get Elizabeth. His... I feel like I don't know if he even exists in the book cuz <laughs> I don't know I if mean, he exists in the movie. <laughs> well, he kind of doesn't exist in the movie, but it's like Victor Frankenstein is the name of the character in the book. So it's weird. Very it, strange. It is... You just have this other guy named Victor. I think it's just because the movie needed another Needed like Male a young, role. handsome leading man. Yeah, type guy. I think that's probably true. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, they're discussing that like she hasn't seen Frankenstein in months because he just bailed on the engagement to go work on this project of his. And they're all Why? Like, yeah. <laughs> Why is they still engaged? That's insane. <laughs> right. <laughs> and she got a letter from him. It's like, hey, I'm sleeping in an abandoned windmill with my hunchback friend. <laughs> Yeah, we've been stealing corpses. We know they've been stealing bodies. I was like, "This is our hero." <laughs> oh, so crazy. I just want my Henry to come back to his senses and marry me. I was like, "You don't want him anymore, <laughs> please." <sighs> so Victor's like, "Okay, well, I'll—I don't know—I'll talk to Professor Waldman or." something they decide they're going to try to find what frankenstein's doing and just crash his party yeah so like elizabeth and and victor go to see waldman waldman's like i don't know something's fucked up with him let's all go over to his place and they go and he's about to do his big experiment he's like i'll show you and man that lab by the way Mm. such Mm. oh man such like it, it's like the perfect Frankenstein lab. It's yeah, they did it, it first, is the and it's just lab. <laughs> everybody has copied it ever since. It's so cool. Uh, all of this gear was owned by this one dude, and he would rent it out to movies for decades. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you, you see all see sorts of this same... actual stuff in a lot of movies. It's always the yeah. same science things, like the two antennas that have the little electricity thing going between it. Uh, the, Tesla like a, coil. the Tesla coil. Uh, the this one, I think, is the first time I've seen where where the bed with the Frankenstein monster is lifted into the thunderstorm. Mm. Uh, that's which, pretty cool. Yeah, it's cool how that happens here. Yeah. So he, he, there's a big lightning storm. So it's this is the we got to do it now. I'm like, all right, you guys are gonna watch. I'm gonna make it happen right now. Yeah, he's like, he wasn't even going to show them, but then they're like, well, we We're think here. you're crazy. <laughs> it's like, oh, you think I'll show crazy? you. I'll show you. You'll see. Oh, they'll all see. And they all see. It's a lot. They do see. 
he, he it is alive and he has that incredible speech he does oh, yeah, the, yeah. i now i i know what it feels like to be god to be god uh and he's ah, <laughs> i i love just the physicality of the performances he's giving the speech like oh, he yeah. just is so wild someone actually grabs him and holds him back <laughs> cool <laughs> like okay chill man <laughs> oh it's so good uh, and then we cut to uh frankenstein's dad Fuck oh yeah he's a dad. weird fucking character <laughs> the the baron frankenstein he's much more of a character in the sequel mm, okay um, a lot of the baron there his whole thing is his whole thing he wants is him he to get married hates everybody and he wants them to get married yeah, just get on with it so I can yeah. go back and not be around you idiots. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, well, no, now that we've actually seen his work, we want to support him. And we're just going to hold off on the wedding for a little bit. And it's, and it's fine. I get it work. now. He created life. We just saw it. So now yeah. eh, kind of got to do something with it. Yeah, yeah. So he, he interviews the monster. He like chats with it. It's like, sit down. It sits down. It gets that. Yeah, they're, they're like talking to the monster. Uh, they show it light for the first time, and he's doing the thing where he's reaching for the sun. Uh, and Fritz, then Fritz is fucking asshole to him. Fritz, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck Fritz's problem is. Fritz just hates him. Fritz uh, hates him, and we, I don't know why. It's a weird thing. It's like Fritz the Hunchback, it, It's he wanted to be the only freak. And now there's another freak, and he's like taking up all the freak space. <laughs> but Fritz, weird. you knew that this was going to happen. Fritz has been working towards this for years. Yeah. I have no idea what his deal is, but yeah, he just hates the monster, and he is fighting with the monster constantly. He's always going after him with torches. Yeah, and Frankenstein's like, or yeah, Dr. Frankenstein is like, dude, just leave him alone, man. Come on seriously yeah. i am your master i tell you to leave him alone leave him alone yeah he just keeps on going in there and then finally like frankenstein just comes back at him and he's like whoa hang on actually i'm not tachibana <laughs> <laughs> they hear him screaming in the distance and they come down and he's fucking dead <laughs> yeah yeah I, I love the bit where uh waldman tells him it's like he's Frankenstein's talking to him about, oh yeah, it's just a brain waiting for life. You should know I got it from your lab. And Waldman's like, you know you the, use that brain? <laughs> you know that was the criminal brain, right? He's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, that motherfucking Fritz. I am going to kill him. And then they hear someone killing him. It's like, it's taken care of. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, he literally does that that gift from the wire. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, fuck, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah where he like looks like Right down to the looking behind him. <laughs> yeah, the, the big moment of realization. And then, yeah, Fritz dies. Fritz dies. They, they find him dead, and it's like, ah, shit, we have to destroy this thing. Yeah, Frank has got a criminal gets, brain. Or the monster gets out, of course. Yeah, gets away. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Elizabeth and the dad are approaching the windmill. And the dad's just like, oh, well, what a shitty place you've got here. What shitty experiments, all that stuff. Everything's shitty. Yeah, he hates everything. He's not into it. Yeah. I don't know. It's basically just to get Elizabeth there so she can be in peril. It more than anything else. Yeah. There, there's really no other point to them being there. Yeah. Uh, Waldman does manage to tranquilize the monster after Frankenstein is injured and they take yeah. him back to town and they start trying to have a happy life together 
yeah, even they, though the monster thing's well, not dealt with. They they decided it's like, all right, we're we're they figure it's tranquilized and Waldman has control of it and like he can dissect it and figure it out. And yeah. Frankenstein, he's dealing with exhaustion. They're like, all right, you're gonna put the work behind you, you're gonna get married, you're gonna recuperate. So they start planning the wedding and he's just gonna put the monster stuff behind them, but then the monster obviously kills Waldman and gets away. Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, could have like, believed it. <laughs> Interestingly, uh, a feeble old man cannot res- physically restrain a giant monster creature. Who'd have thought? Who'd have figured? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it strangles the shit out of him and uh, just goes wandering. Yeah, he goes. Uh, he encounters a little girl, and anyone can guess where this is going to go. Incredibly famous scene. This is one I've seen copied lots of times too. There's a very funny version of it in Young Frankenstein. Mm. Uh, but they're they're tossing flowers onto the lake. Just they're, they're pulling the heads off and, and tossing them onto the lake, and they float. Yeah, and he runs out of flowers, so he tosses her into the lake. And she can't swim, so she fucking dies. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, on-screen child death in 1931. Yeah, it went there. <laughs> yeah. Because yep. he's the monster. And I mean, this is the big crime that, you know, then all of the townspeople gather pitchforks and torches. It's it's happening. Yeah, yeah. Like, the farmer man, like, carries the daughter's corpse through the party that, like, slowly goes from musical, like, revelry, ha-ha, laughter, to rabble, rabble. Yeah, it's such cool. a cool scene. It's pretty great. Uh, it, it's like uh, the, the mom from Jaws. Uh, is is the same kind of energy oh yeah totally so every the the whole village is up in arms they're going after the monster and they're they already know that it's frankenstein's yeah yeah they know that it has to do with him yeah but he's like oh well if i join the search party that'll be like i'm taking responsibility right yeah and everyone's like yeah actually (laughs) yeah sure whatever and uh, he's the one who ends up fighting directly with the monster. I think there's that first part where it fights some dogs. Uh, or maybe they cut that out. It kidnaps Elizabeth at one point. Because there's, there's, I, I, maybe it's a really famous deleted scene of him supposed to have been fighting with dogs because they've seen like statues built of it. Oh, I don't so remember that. It's just no. the the image stays in my mind, but I, I guess it's not actually in it. But yeah, oh, he, he brawls. Uh, Henry brawls with the monster. Yeah, and of course, naturally, the monster kicks his ass. Yeah, uh, lugs him off. <laughs> yeah, carries him into the windmill and then fucking... I can't believe that they did this in 1931 either. He tosses him over the edge of the windmill and the dummy like lands on the windmill blade and goes around a bit. Oh my god. Yeah, it, it's like he hits and it looks like he breaks in half and goes down. Like I'm but, watching this, I'm like, oh man, this is a pretty good dummy. Oh Jesus. Yeah, it's like, oh god. I don't think he's getting out of it, but somehow he right. does get out of it and he's totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't even have like a broken back. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, they, they carry away the wounded Frankenstein while the mob burns down the windmill with uh, the monster in it. Yeah, and the monster, as you were saying, those terrifying screams. howls and screams. Yeah. Rage, terror, everything. Yeah. Until he gets crushed by ceiling boards and burned alive. Yeah, it's a, it's a very harsh ending. Uh, 
So you have not seen Bride of Frankenstein. I have not seen uh, Bride of Frankenstein. Having seen Dracula's Daughter and knowing sort of how these go right from minute one, like we're, we're picking up at the moment it ended and continuing on. What do you think happens? What's your prediction? Because I did uh, watch Bride of Frankenstein last week, so I have it fresh in my mind. Hmm. I think... I think that... Uh, I think Elizabeth is going to come to and be like, you know what, Henry? You've put me in a lot of danger with your shit. And a lot of other people in your danger with your shit. I want a, I want a divorce or... I want well, they to not do the marriage. They haven't gotten married quite yet. Yeah. Although, no, we, we see that that is the one thing is that they have the flash forward to see the wedding. Oh, right. Yeah. And there's the bit where like Frankenstein's recuperating in the maze. We're like, oh, we thought we'd give him some of the best wine. And the grandpa's oh, like, right. Fuck him. No, I'll take the wine. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. We'll we'll just save that from I don't think he deserves it. Uh, right yeah yeah this is some silly stuff but uh yeah so in in bride of frankenstein there's not a whole lot right it right away but the thing is that the monster obviously is just inert down there right so it doesn't kill him no i mean they just need to dig him back out (laughs) okay but there's uh there's a second mad scientist who comes to rival him. Oh, that's great. <laughs> nice. Good shit. And there's like, all right, uh, I've, I've heard about your front, your monster experiment, your creation of life. I think that's pretty cool. Why don't we create another one and have them mate? Wouldn't that be cool? Two mad scientists working together. Come on. Good shit. And I'm <laughs> sure Dr. Frankenstein is like, mm, no, I have learned my lesson from last time. No, he's all in, isn't he? He's in. He's into it. I think he he requires a little bit of convincing, but not a lot because it gets another 75 minute movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that's what I like about these. They are zippy. They're very zippy, snappy. They don't Uh, waste any time. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Uh, I I fucking love both of these. I think I would give Frankenstein the edge of the two. I I agree. Uh, Just because some of the imagery in there horrifies hmm. me the atmosphere too there there is just something about it that gets under your skin more than dracula i think there's just a certain thread of silliness in dracula that makes it a little bit easier <laughs> <laughs> the armadillos the possum the, yeah the bat driving the, the horses that's hilarious <laughs> yeah uh but they're Whereas both I don't... excellent yes they're both fantastic uh, there's just less levity in uh, Frankenstein. It, it is more truly horrific, despite honestly having a bit more actual comedy. The comedy itself doesn't do a whole lot, but <laughs> the it, the rest of it is played with... Uh, there's just something about the way the horror hits in it that is a little bit... I don't know. Yeah. Just, it 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 has a bit more of a punch. Uh, I, I think a lot of that is like Karloff's acting. Yeah. He really, even though he's a giant monster, man, he really just, the way he acts about everything, he just feels like a child. There is an innocence and a sorrow to the way he plays him. Uh, Karloff has just amazing eyes. 
his his eye acting is is tremendous yeah so uh that brings us to the end of both dracula and frankenstein do you have any last thoughts on either of those pictures before we head on to part three uh, part three would be alive <laughs> uh all right we'll head on in and we're back for the third and final section the watched stacks uh the finale of the spooky stacks uh, spooky. Spooky. uh i watched 19 movies in the past week including <laughs> concluding halloween uh last night was halloween night so we are recording this november 1st but we're doing an extra week of spookiness because we missed the first week due to technical difficulties and you know the the last one i feel november 1st should be a halloween one anyway because the timing works out well and because i mean everything or I that's watched, every every single <sighs> thing i watched is horror so uh <laughs> at least horror-esque there's some that could be arguable, I suppose. But first up, we have Cellar Dweller. Uh, this is from the Arrow, uh, Arrow Video Empire of Screams box set. I, I'm no, I won't make a joke about something about like redditors. I won't do it. Okay, uh, <laughs> fair, fair. Cellar Dweller. I mean, I feel like that joke is sort of in the movie. It's, oh, really? Because like. So the the original Cellar Dweller, I suppose, would be so Cellar Dweller is a comic book in this movie. It's it's a movie about horror comics, sort of. Uh, and in the opening sequence, we have Jeffrey Combs, who God, have you seen Reanimator? Um, I don't think I have because he is the Reanimator. Have you seen the Frighteners? I might have, but I'm not sure. It's the Peter Jackson movie with Michael J. Fox, and the he, he can speak to the dead. He has like ghosts and stuff that hang around him. Uh, it sounds like one of those ones I might have watched when I was really young. Yeah, it's from the '90s, '94. Oh, good movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, this one, yeah, Jeffrey Combs. I, 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 yeah, I, you'd know him if you'd seen him and stuff. He's he's got he's memorable in in a huh. in a way. Um, okay he he's only in the opening sequence of this one he's this guy who's a comic book artist and i guess it's supposed to be the 50s although the style of comic he's drawing is clearly not from the 50s (laughs) uh and he's i guess he's drawn some kind of special incantation which makes his drawings come to life it makes them real so he's drawing this horror comic and he has this lady running away from this huge monster with a pentagram in its chest and then the lady shows up in his room followed by the beast man uh and you know then we cut two years later he's been uh, you know this this place has been closed up ever since and someone else comes in to take over his legacy and starts redrawing his comic like in the 80s oh yeah and let me guess then their shit starts coming alive yeah, it's funny because it's it's sort of become an art college since then. Like in, in the time since this house, other than the basement, has become like an artist's colony. So it's just okay. a whole bunch of artists who are all rooming there doing their art projects. They're all very silly. You know, they're 
it, it's it's kind of satirical. And then um, there's this girl who's the rival of our main girl. So she draws this really angry vor fantasy about her, where Beastman just chomps her to bits. And then obviously that happens to her. Of course it does. And then the thing is just loose and it's eating people all over the house. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty fun. All right. Uh next I dug into some of the sequels of the Universal Monsters. Uh the first is one that you yourself watched, Dracula's Daughter. Yeah. Uh completely different everything from Dracula. Very different tone, feels much more modern. Obviously, Dracula's daughter does feel like a queer icon. Uh, uh, as I said to you last night, uh, she may be Dracula's daughter, but step on me, mommy. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the feeling you get. Uh, she's very imperious. She she does have a, a real regal air to her. I, I really like the uh, performance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's really good. Uh, <laughs> the uh, hero is... <laughs> non-existent <laughs> doesn't matter oh, he's so dumb it's like hmm, there's no mirrors in your apartment <laughs> weird no oh, she well. brings it up she oh, brings no, he... it up because he doesn't even <laughs> notice it's like hey so you notice there's no mirrors in my apartment he's like huh <laughs> neat he's like well your your buds with van helsing and he killed my dad he's in jail for killing my dad i figure he i think he maybe make a thing of that it's like huh noted see you later <laughs> i don't think much later he's talking to not even much later a few scenes later he's talking to van helsing and it's like oh well this would be a person who has no mirrors he's like well i've certainly never heard of anyone like that before <laughs> he's got like this crazy sundere secretary oh yeah she She's is so angry fucking insane too though yeah, I, like this could be a manga. Him at, it could be. <laughs> this would be great as a manga, honestly. She's literally <laughs> prank calling him at midnight at Dracula's daughter's house. Yeah, weird, weird shit to do. Everybody in this movie is very bizarre. So her whole thing where she's seeing a psychiatrist because she's like, I have this thing where I can't stop thinking about like ladies' necklines? I think it's because my dad was a vampire and I'm probably a vampire. It must be what it is. Uh, and he's like, well, you should try some exposure therapy. It's like, okay. <laughs> she 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 finds a prostitute and hires her and like, like I'd like you to undress in front of me. It's, it's not anything sinister, trust me. <laughs> I'm just trying exposure therapy. Oh, great movie. Like, I Doctor, the exposure therapy didn't work. I killed somebody. Yeah. What are you talking about? This is a metaphor, right? It's like I don't I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's so good. It's so good. It's really fun. It's it's zany. And, and like there's this whole subplot of it, it is a subplot of Van Helsing being in jail for killing Dracula. Yeah. And it, it's it's how we open the movie, but from that point on, <laughs> we just occasionally check in with like the police. We're like, we're still holding this guy because he did murder him. We know he did it. He's not even pretending he didn't. Very much not in jail. He's in his no. suit in like the guy's office. No, he's he's more like as an advisor <laughs> there. Yeah. But they're kind of yeah. hanging on to him. It's like you better stick around, old guy. 
doesn't get resolved either. No, because it doesn't matter. It's not about him. <laughs> <laughs> he was just there as a bridge between plots. <laughs> so next, I also watched Bride of Frankenstein. Uh, oh, yeah. That so, one I'm interested in, too. Well, I mean, I'm interested in all yeah, of these. Yeah. They're great. It's great. Uh, I, I believe I mentioned earlier, it is my favorite of the Universal Horror Pictures. Like, the whole cycle, I think it's my number one. Okay. Uh, I really love Elsa Lanchester as the bride. Uh, they, they sort of, this one has more of a Burke and Hare situation involved in it, where uh, they just grab some lady and kill her to bring her back to life, which just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But they, they don't really, they're not micromanaging. They they send this, Fritz's replacement after this person. It's, it's someone who is kind of Renfield-esque and kind of is just... He he's expecting riches out of this, and he he's not thinking about a whole lot else. Mm. Uh, the bride is similarly tragic to Frankenstein, he, like it, it, how how he is in the first one. Uh, she is literally voiceless because her throat is cut, so she has no voice; she can't speak. Whereas uh. Frankenstein now does have a voice, and he talks in this movie. Oh, okay. He like there's a period where he's just wandering in the wilderness because you know after the thing that happened uh, yeah. at the end of the last one and he just finds this old hermit who's blind and he just makes friends with him and he teaches him to talk. Oh, cool! Yeah, cool. it's neat. And again, still pretty short. Also, as I mentioned, dueling mad scientists. There's Doctor Pretorius with his uh, king and queen in <laughs> glass tubes. <laughs> his yeah, tiny people. <laughs> Uh, I do want to see what that's about. <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of packed with stuff. <laughs> uh, and next, Son of Frankenstein, which is the the sequel to that. Uh, and this one, it's like a decade or twenty years later, and uh, he just come. It, it's the son of Frankenstein. It's a young Frankenstein. He comes back to the destroyed lab. You know, after everything goes wrong at the end of Bride of Frankenstein, and uh, in. It, 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 spoilers at the end the laboratory explodes <laughs> got to so yeah I mean sequel escalation <laughs> so yeah uh, uh, he he digs him out and he finds that he's still down there this is the one where Lugosi is Igor uh, oh, Basil cool. Rathbone is young son of Frankenstein oh uh, he played that. Sherlock Holmes quite a bit he's, he's best oh. known for playing Sherlock Holmes in the uh, shortly after this, I guess. Oh, cool. It's also got this weird dude who is like the local gendarme who is a kid uh, who, <laughs> uh, when he was a kid, it was the original Frankenstein rampage, and he got his arm ripped out by Frankenstein, by the monster. Oh, wow. Oh, geez. So okay. now he has just this one creepy metal arm. He's he's very Dr. Strangelove-esque. Hmm. He's fun. All right. Also, just really, good. really great set design in Son of Frankenstein. Some of my favorite. Because mm. it's like using a lot of the same designs as the original one, but they're all kind of, they've been updated because it's more futuristic and it's supposed to be set like 30, 40 years later. And the others are just ruined. So you have these ruined versions of those sets in the labs. Cool. Nice. Nice. Interesting. Uh, so next, The Devil's Reign. (laughs) 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 
Uh, man, this is a weird movie. Um, absolutely the most incredible ending of any motion picture. Uh, so I mean, it's it's something. Uh, it, <laughs> it's it's really bizarre. It's it's an incredible opening. Um, so William Shatner, he's oh yes, he's in this. He's our first guy that we're following. Uh, he's come home to his ranch. And he's like, they're they're in the desert. I, I can't remember exactly where. Uh, he's he's talking to his mom. She's really worried about the dad. It seems like a wordulac situation that, you know, he's gonna come home. They're worried about when he comes home. Might, something might be wrong. Oh, okay. Black Sun. Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath. Um, that. Right. That was Karloff. That was Karloff. That was Karloff. Yeah. Yeah. So, the dad comes back and he has no eyes. Just got black holes where his eyes should be. And he's like, give the book back to Corvus. I feel like maybe they don't actually want to give the book back to Corvus in this situation. Yeah. Uh, and then he melts. Oh. Uh, Dad just turns into a puddle of goo. Oh, what a world. Uh, Pretty, pretty troubling. So Shatner's like, all right, I'm going to go see this Corvus guy. We're going to deal with this. <laughs> or no i think he comes back inside and his mom is gone i think she's been taken by corvus and there's like okay. some other dude who who like was in the house and he's just like hanging upside down he's like i couldn't help i couldn't do anything <laughs> anyway he, he goes to this small town and he's gonna have a showdown he's gonna have a uh, a faith off i guess he he goes to like <laughs> He's a Christian, and he he goes to talk to Ernest Borgnine, satanic cult leader. <laughs> Corvus. <laughs> and he's just classic Borgnine. He's grinning from ear to ear. He's got a big fucking satanic robe on. <laughs> and they're just like hanging out in a small town. It's like, okay, I'll tell you what. You know, put your faith up against mine. You're gonna go into the church and we'll we'll both uh we'll we'll uh face off we'll decide whose faith is stronger and if uh if you win you can you get your mom and dad back and uh and if i lose uh, the book and i uh, keep you too <laughs> so there's this really funny sequence of uh there's a big satanic ceremony in the church going on and Shatner is awkwardly trying to like do the lord's prayer <laughs> <laughs> Just oh, kind of hallowed be the yeah. name. It's it's like that exactly, and there's just a bunch <laughs> of people screaming and like people on fire. Uh, he loses, obviously. Uh, there's a point where Ernest Borgnine turns into a goat man. You got nice. goat man Ernest Borgnine. <laughs> uh, eventually, uh, Shatner's brother comes to also just start dealing with this problem because things have really gotten out of hand. Uh, the eyeless William Shatner. That's where the Michael Myers mask comes from. Like oh. later on, Shatner has no eyes. Like everybody, uh, that's when everybody melts at the end. All the people have no eyes. That's the incredible ending. Everybody melts. It, it goes on for ten minutes. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> Spoilers, right. but see it for that. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, and yeah, the the Michael Myers mask is based on uh, Shatner with no eyes in this movie. Oh, no kidding. Next, next, Frostbiter, Wrath of the Wendigo. 
Ooh. Uh, this is it's very DIY. It's mostly made in the 80s. I think it came out in the 90s because it just took a really long time to make because it was very homemade. 95, it says. I believe it started production much earlier than that. It feels <laughs> like an 80s movie. Very regional horror, very DIY. Uh, the Wendigo. You know, so people are in northern Michigan on, I think, Lake Michigan. And there's an island. And people are going hunting on this island. Uh, but the Wendigo... Uh, there, there's like a sacred circle of skulls and a couple drunk hunters just knock one of them over and then they shoot this guy and just everything goes wrong. And now the Wendigo's loose. Oh, of course. And the thing with the Wendigo in this movie is it just makes everything into monsters. Oh, okay. So like you got this group of dudes who are out hunting and they're, they're just like hanging out in the cabin and there's like, oh man, I'm so excited for your chili. And the chili has its own theme song. And the theme song is like, chili, it's chili time. Chili, chili, chili time. <laughs> Soundtrack in this movie is its own character. It's as loud as the dialogue the entire time. It's just actual entire rock songs, hard rock playing constantly. <laughs> man, <laughs> it sounds fun. It's, it is fun. So the chili turns into a monster and it bites guy's hand off. And they, they, the, the chili monster has its own theme and they, they have to throw it outside. They have to throw the chili out into the snow. They're very sad. Oh, uh, uh, and then there's a porn mag and the porn mag turns into a monster. <laughs> it's, it's just shit like that. Everything's turning into monsters, big rubber monsters. Cause like the lady from the centerfold shows up and then she turns into a monster and attacks them. Nice. <laughs> It's fun. Yeah, sounds like it. Next, we've got... So this is kind of the original slasher franchise. It started in 1962. Oh, you've been telling me a little bit about this one. This is some fucking crazy shit. So the Flesh trilogy made by Michael Findlay, uh, directed by and starring as uh, Dan Cranshaw. I mean, Richard Jennings. Uh, (laughs) 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 This... So in the first one, Touch of Her Flesh, uh, this dude, Richard Jennings, he's a loser. He comes home and he finds his wife's cheating on him. And he has a full-scale panic attack freakout, goes running down into the street, and is hit by a car. Oh, I think maybe that wasn't the best way to handle it. It was a very stupid way to handle it, quite honestly. I don't know what he was thinking. Uh, yeah. he, he just goes, like, it's not even he just runs directly out and then into the street. He runs down the stairs, and then he's in the street, and you just watch him running for some time, and then he gets hit by a car. <laughs> okay. Stupid. I mean, yeah. it's all on him. So, uh, all, uh, despite we being able to see the accident take place and him just uh, hitting his uh legs around uh hood level he loses an eye so he's got an eye patch the rest of the time so he's he's got a cool eye patch of course Uh, he got it (laughs) and he's gonna get revenge against naked women because all naked women are evil that's what he's decided okay so sorry what made him jump out into the street again his wife cheated Uh, on him oh okay so (laughs) and he freaked out (laughs) <laughs> so so but the naked women are the problem naked women are the problem all naked women all women are bad he he becomes a misogynist serial killer 
<laughs> so yeah, it's the it's the slasher movie, but in this first one, it's still mostly a sexploitation movie. So right. you watch burlesque acts. The thing is, he starts hanging out at strip joints so he can find naked <laughs> women who are naked, and it's like, oh, that one's naked. I'm gonna kill her. That's his thing. So we would just watch him go and we just see the entire burlesque act and then he'll like shoot a blow dart and she falls over and then it's we should watch another burlesque act <laughs> it's most the of the rodeo movie. was really picking up pace it's yeah uh but the second one the curse of her flesh uh he it, it becomes much more of a proper slasher exploitation thing uh he's going after revenge on uh his wife's lover the guy from the first one. He, he wants to go after him and cut his dick off. Oh, you know, maybe maybe he should have started with that. He doesn't even get I to mean, it till the second movie. I mean... <laughs> doesn't think of it. Man. <laughs> uh, okay, all right. All yeah, right. so the, the guy has this whole diabolical enterprise. Also, now Richard Jennings has started his own strip joint. Hmm. He's still but... after naked women. <laughs> he just like auditions of them and kills them sometimes it's very strange oh okay but the main thing is he's after the the ex-lover there's still there's still a lot of burlesque scenes in his weird burlesque space it's just now it's become really strange performance art it's got this whole extra angle of entertainment to it because in the first one it's really just ladies jiggling there's, right. there's very little else to it in in the second one they're actual proper acts burlesque acts so it's a bit more interesting in that regard okay okay and by the end he's chasing after the lover with a machete they hop into the back of a moving box truck and they're fighting with the machete in the truck while it's moving it's kind of cool nice uh and then the third one the touch of her flesh or the kiss of her flesh yeah this one he's supernatural <laughs> oh we finally got there it's, uh, it's, so this is a slasher franchise then completely yeah yeah he <laughs> uh, now it's it's mostly kills uh he's supernatural in the third one he's supernatural in the third one he has poison semen there's a part where he gets someone to give him a blowjob and then she dies because his <laughs> se semen is poisoned there's a final girl in this one the other ones were just him. It was just following him around. This one, there's right. a final girl who's hunting him. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Her boyfriend is, uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy who played Wilson on Home Improvement. Oh, uh, Earl Hindman. Or Earl Hindman. Earl Hindman, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's the boyfriend. <laughs> so in the first scene of the movie, you get Earl Hindman, uh, the, the future Wilson of Home Improvement, Full frontal, see his dick swinging, and you also <laughs> see uh, the final girl use anal beads on him. He's really into it. He goes, Woo! You see the anal beads flying in the air. So, Crazy what I'm imagining movie. now <laughs> is, in fact, full frontal, but like <laughs> he's it's got like the Wilson separate. hat and like <laughs> and, and like that, that like fake fence that he holds up over his right. face. That would be Sometimes. great. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's him. It's the two of them hunting down the killer. Uh, it's it's crazy. It's really fun. Uh, the first one's bad. Like, they're all kind of bad, but they're fascinating in just 
the most of them have a lot of empty stretches, but then something totally insane will happen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Next, we've got Don't Go in the Woods. Uh, that is the place you don't go in the... <laughs> don't go in the woods. Uh, this one, I remember the first time I was watching it, uh, I was like, man, this is pretty advanced for a proto-slasher. You know, a movie from 1973, this really has a lot of the slasher stuff. And then I looked like, oh, it came out in 1982. I see. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, it's just very, very regional <laughs> horror. Uh, it's it's crazy how, I mean, this is a James Bryan picture. I'm a big fan of his work. It's all specific. I don't know. There is a very specific style to the James Bryan uh, filmmaking. Uh, <laughs> the, the the mood, the, the logic. Uh, you've seen Frozen Scream, right? think so this one sounds familiar frozen scream uh renee harman uh oh yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> hard that's to explain. That, like the detective narrates over her right and we haven't met the detective yet <laughs> yeah and he's just like what is going on i don't know who's talking what's happening <laughs> she works with james bryan quite a bit after that uh he's like they both have their own individual projects so he does don't go in the woods she does frozen scream and after that i think they pretty much both work together on everything okay but they yeah a similar kind of style to frozen scream let's say (laughs) so which is a unique (laughs) thing hard hard to get something similar to that so imagine that as a slasher movie (laughs) i'm trying (laughs) it's like post jason so it's weirdly abstract as you would imagine uh like I mentioned a couple weeks ago, there are times where the kills are taking place and it's not clear what's happening. Uh, it's it's a POV shot, but I thought it was just the camera killing them. Or it's like, it's are we the monster? Because <laughs> <laughs> it just seems like they're being attacked by an invisible force. <laughs> and then, you know, later it turns out to just be a huge monster, or not monster, uh, mountain man. Okay. Uh, so yeah, big mountain man, clobbering people. He's got a secret shack in the woods that everybody is stumbling over every 20 fucking minutes. I don't know how. It's supposed <laughs> to be this really remote woods, but it is so populated. They they really wanted to amp up the body count. So just, they have a few characters who you're following, but you just keep cutting away to random people who could potentially be there. So there's a bird watcher. There's a lady making a painting. It's just random people all over the place for this guy to kill uh so very high body count and just tons of extremely bloody ridiculous kills happening they don't look realistic they're not gory they're just a <laughs> lot of blood a lot of fake blood tons and tons of it that sounds fun i feel I, like i might have seen this but i'm not sure i love it so i, I guess the most uh one bit that i would say you would probably remember if you've seen it is one of the dudes in the group is kind of just a shitty incel guy, I guess. And he he's really mad at one of the girls. So he gets her in a sleeping bag and he like hoists her up in the tree and he's like yelling at her, bag of bitch, bag of bitch. The monster's going to get you. He's coming. Uh, and the monster oh. comes and it uh, gets him. <laughs> I don't remember that. Okay. Uh, so yeah, no, you, you'd remember that. 
there's also a really amazing bit where the the actual monster gets people who are in sleeping bags and it just like gets them in a tree and is stabbing them in the sleeping bag while it's hoisted up like vertical like in, like hanging from a tree yeah and uh, both the filmmaking of the people it's it's just this this really interesting filmmaking of people in like a person in a sleeping bag as the as the shot like from the side it's it's hard to explain it's it's very (laughs) weird it's like you ever see be kind rewind Uh, no i don't think so no they're they swede versions they they call it sweeting and they do you know diy versions of famous movie scenes it feels like that it just feels like someone between a couple blankets (laughs) that they just fill the whole screen with it uh but then the the shots of just the sleeping bag hanging with all these bloody wounds in it is very haunting. <laughs> Next is Hayride Slaughter. Uh, I can think of two things wrong with that title. <laughs> <laughs> There's only two things in the title. <laughs> uh, so it's... There's I, I, no description of this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um... <laughs> So New Jersey had this attraction called Frightland somewhere in sure. New Jersey, I guess. All right. Uh, um, next, we've got Halloween. <laughs> uh, uh, it is just, it's like we're watching, we're, we're seeing what that, there's supposed to be a plot where there's a murder and there is kind of like, it's an SOV movie. It's from like 2001. It feels like it should have been <laughs> this earlier. This thing looks like it made in like the 50s oh yeah yeah uh it's mostly just them documenting the attraction but there's this story where there's these paranormal investigators are there to uh investigate a murder i'm not really clear on it didn't make any sense to be totally clear it just none of it really made any sense it's just occasionally people are getting killed in the background but mostly mostly you're just experiencing Frightland, uh, the the attraction. Uh, no joke, you spend fully 20 minutes watching a local magician act. 20 <laughs> minutes. There's five minutes of it that are in slow motion. <laughs> Is mind-bending. Rodeo was really king. Uh, it's unreal like it is <laughs> what yeah. 2001 yeah so halloween horrors is a co is also on the disc same director it's from like a decade earlier it's he, so it's wave productions the thing is they mostly made fetish horror on demand where it's oh. like we'll do like a, a fake strangling scene or a smothering scene or a asphyxiation scene lots of that tons and tons of that stuff they they sure, like okay. advertise in the back of magazine. That's their main thing. Uh, Vor stuff too. Uh, so Halloween horrors is one of their early actual features where it's sort of a movie where you know plot exists, uh, but it's mostly still kind of porny, but without sex. It's you know murder porn, but like really lo-fi. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so like these two sisters are kidnapped. These two sisters of this really rich guy. 
and uh, he's holding them for ransom. And it's mostly just these two ladies who are held in there in this guy's dungeon and they're in the restraints and they're wrestling against the restraints. That's most of the movie. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Eventually he kills one of them. And then, you know, he's threatening the dad and the dad's trying to come get them. And he's going to like attack the guy. I don't know. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's mostly ladies struggling against restraints. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I guess you could somehow make a movie out of that and have it be interesting. It might be possible. It was SOV. You, you ordered this out of the back of a magazine. That's kind of how these things were made. <laughs> it's like the, the early 90s. Uh, next up, not on the list because we've covered it. I watched Halloween. Fucking Halloween. Great movie. Perfect movie. Yeah, just absolutely perfect. Uh, the The... The ultimate slasher, the perfect one. Uh-huh. Next is Rabid Grannies. This is a, <laughs> a Belgian horror film. Is it as good as Halloween? No. <laughs> God, no. Uh, I, it's fun. It's a, It was an early hit for Troma. They distributed it. They didn't make it, but it's very Troma-esque. Like, it's got Troma okay. flavor. It's also a yeah. lot like the early Peter Jackson's. Like, did you ever see any of the Peter Jackson horror movies? I don't think I ever did. Like Bad Taste, Dead Alive. Uh, uh, no, I don't think so. This is definitely in, it's it's very close to Dead Alive. You got these two old grannies and they are extremely pious and kind and very nice. They're very, very wealthy, but like their kindness is known literally all the way to the Vatican. This is stated oh. in the movie. Okay. <laughs> but they have this I, I don't I don't know exactly how it works. Maybe they're a, a very old lesbian couple, but uh they uh, they have a bunch of children. There's no there's no husbands in the mixture and I think they're all the same family, so I, I don't really know how it works. Never re- never referred to. But they have all these children and they're all awful. They all suck. Maybe they adopted them. Maybe and a charity stuff. I, I think they're supposed to all be blood relatives. Um, okay. I don't know. They're 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 all kind of bad. Uh, they're they're all rich and greedy, or they're 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 greedy anyways. One of them is just a priest, but he's an asshole priest who likes to hit kids. <laughs> so anyway, no. they they have this annual family. I don't know if it's annual. They have a family reunion, and one guy doesn't show up, but he sends them this box, this creepy box with a bunch of inscriptions on it as a gift. All right. And they open it up and uh, it, you know, it, it possesses them and they turn into basically deadites and they eat everyone. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> they just chomp everyone. Uh, they're, they're, it, it goes really hard. It's very gory. It's pretty over the top and ridiculous. Uh, they, you know, the, the kids are not safe. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see a child dismembered? Next is the mummy. The, the original 1932 The Mummy. Ooh, another one of, of those. Uh, Universal. Is that a Universal as well? It's Universal. It is the next Boris Karloff. It's what he did after Frankenstein. Uh, okay. And I kind of feel like it's a reward for Frankenstein, more or less, because he gets top billing. He, uh, he, he does a little bit of monster makeup, like he's The Mummy at first, but most of the uh-huh. time, he, you know, after the mummy is loose and is, gets free, it just gets, you know, he cleans up and he's Boris Karloff. 
He has right. just a little bit of old age makeup on at first, but then, you know, as the rituals, you know, he, he, he uses the rituals and he gets younger and he gets to just kind of be himself and show his real face, which is probably nice. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I actually don't know what the mummy is about other than uh, the wrapped up in bandages. I didn't know that he got to look like a like a normal person, for yeah, example. I, it's really only in this one where that happens. Uh, there, there's uh, several mummy sequels. Let me see here. There's the mummy's hand, the mummy's tomb, the mummy's ghost, the mummy's curse. Uh, those ones, it's all a different mummy called Caris and. It's just he he has to get tana leaves and he's just a mummy. Okay. He needs the tana <laughs> leaves to sustain him. Uh, right. Whereas this one, it's a very elaborate thing. It's like this centuries old romance. Uh, he was this guy who fell in love with some high priestess and uh, he was killed. And then uh, the people who all the people who build the the tomb that he's hidden in. Uh, which has no name on it, which has been like specifically destroyed to uh, make it hard to identify him. Uh, everybody who builds the place is killed, and then everybody who killed them is killed. <laughs> and so it's centuries Just later. Just make sure that nobody knows where the thing is. Yeah, really, really make sure of it. Uh, <laughs> but I, I don't know. Did they kill the people who killed the people? I don't know. Uh, uh, maybe they. Maybe that was their problem. Maybe they should have. As some people found out, you know, he he ends up getting uncovered, and it's the present day. It's like the thirties, and uh, he he's he's awakened, and he just comes back, and he finds this woman who is the reincarnation of uh, his lost love. She looks exactly like her, and he's trying to do these rituals to, uh, and he's going to kill her and then revive her as the the priestess or whatever and she kind of was like mm, maybe i don't actually want to do that <laughs> <laughs> uh next is the wolfman the original from 41 Ooh. Uh, lon cheney jr as the wolfman as uh lyle talbot or larry talbot i think it's larry uh in this first one it's weird because he's like the rich guy and it doesn't fit i feel oh, like that's interesting he's yeah. You don't get the wealthy werewolf. It's usually just some dude. It, it should be some dude because you want to sympathize with him. Uh, I, I feel that making him the wealthy son uh, who's just come back to town, it creates a weird thing in it that, that I hadn't really thought about much. But so the, the, the plot is he's back in town. He, you know, he's been a prodigal son. He's been away. And okay. uh, his dad is still like the guy who owns the town. He's like the richest dude. Everybody knows him as the one really rich guy. Right, right. So Larry, he's going around town. He buys this uh, elaborate walking stick with a, a silver wolf head on it. Ooh. Very distinctive. Uh, and he's he's like trying to hit on the lady who runs the antiques shop. And then later on, he goes to see a fortune teller, Bella. Okay. Uh Playing a character named Bella. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> he's just Bella. Uh, and Bella is a fortune teller, but he's also a werewolf. So later on, uh, you know, Bella tells him he's going to get bit by a werewolf. And then later on, he fucking shows up and he bites him. <laughs> and oh, Larry clobbers him to death. He kills him. He, he gets him with the, the walking stick because it's silver. 
Oh, right. The silver wolf head. So that is able to kill him. So he he's able to get away. But now he's bitten. He's the werewolf. But like the idea of it being he's the rich son. And now the like the police show up and he's like uh he he's he like he comes back to town complaining that like oh I was bit by a wolf and all that shit and he's like all bloody makes a very big show of it and then he goes back home and then the police come to see him the next day and because uh, they find this walking stick with this dead guy <laughs> <laughs> they're like hey uh is this your walking stick it's like hey yeah I was wondering where that happened like how where'd you leave it oh I beat this wolf to death you know there is a wolf and it's like there are no wolves around here wolves do not exist anywhere near here I'm like <laughs> well I, I I did kill a wolf. I mean, it bit me. It's like, yeah, can we see those bites? And he pulls it up and there's, there's no bite. It's like, well, I mean, it, it, it happened. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so it feels like a really weird procedural kind of thing where it's just him making <laughs> shit up. But then of course he does turn into a werewolf later. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. No, Marion did stop by here. But she yeah. didn't stay long. It's like oh, that. Yeah, she did stay long. It's weird. Uh, but yeah, it's a really good one. I, I feel like it's later in the cycle. It's it's a good 10 years into them making these movies. So they really have the look and the atmosphere down. And just like it's the most perfect one for just the the style, the visuals of it. Okay, cool. Next is Messiah of Evil. I love oh. this movie. Uh, you've seen Los Angeles plays itself. It features a few scenes from Messiah of Evil pretty prominently. Okay, cool. So it's a weird movie. It's sort of a zombie movie, but like the zombie movie's happening in the background and people don't realize it until really late. All right. Because it's following these, it, it's it's a uh, small town, California. Uh, I can't remember the name of the town, but it's it's very close to Los Angeles, but just like, just outside and it, i i do feel that there's a a solid amount of social commentary and that we're following these artist types around who are so disconnected from the community around them that they are only interacting with it in the night and they go out in the night and everything's closed and it's all liminal so most of the movie you're just walking around public spaces but in the dark but they're still all lit up in neon Oh, like that bit in Ham on Rye where the guy's like, man, it's cool that they built these parking lots <laughs> like just for us. Yeah, oh, I got a follow up to that coming soon, too. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. That's that's the last one. But Messiah of Evil. Yeah, it's it's just eerie. Uh, they're they're wandering around these dark spaces. And the, the thing is very, uh, very frequently they will encounter people. You know, they're they're in what seems to be an empty space, and then suddenly there are more people than they expected there to be. <laughs> uh, the the very famous sequence is in the Ralphs, uh, the supermarket, and the whole sequence I think is in Los Angeles plays itself, where this lady goes into this Ralphs supermarket. Like there's yeah. completely empty parking lot, just totally empty. The whole place is lit up, doors are open. She goes in place seems pretty empty but she's been chasing this one lady she's like the place seems totally empty but this one girl and she catches a glimpse of her and she's sort of following around 
and there doesn't seem to be anyone there. And she gets way around to the back to the freezer area. And in the meat freezer, there's just like a dozen people standing around eating raw meat, just putting raw meat in their mouths. Okay. <laughs> and they all like turn and see her. <laughs> and just like, oh God, and running away. There's a bunch all of things right. like that. Like uh, there's a girl who goes to see a movie uh, in just an abandoned movie theater. And like, there's nobody else in there. And she gets kind of engrossed in the movie. And then the whole place fills up with these zombie people behind her. She doesn't realize it until like oh, no. late in the moon. Then she looks and there's just people on either side of her. Oh, uh, shit. <laughs> great. Really great movie. Just this slow motion zombie apocalypse that they don't realize is happening around them. Uh, the the zombies they're not super undead like it's not corpses rising it's just these people have started to eat meat and are attacking other people and uh, you, you can tell because like they'll cry one tear of blood nice which is eerie and yeah. it, it, it's it's crazy how it happens because like it's very quiet you'll have these flare-ups where one person will get it and then there's this part where a guy's out in the night and he sees something spooky and then he realizes there's cops up there shooting at a mob of zombies. It's like, whoa, this shit has gotten <laughs> out of hand very suddenly. All right. <laughs> Next is The Amusement Park. This is a very Ooh. early George Romero movie. Oh. Uh, sort of a lost film for quite a few years. It was basically shelved because someone had the bright idea they approached him it's like we want you to make a public service announcement a psa film on elder abuse um okay okay so he really took the idea and ran with it so it is a psa <laughs> film and you do have an opening and closing where you have this elderly man who talks about you know the the plight of the elderly and the the way they are mistreated in society and economic disparities and uh, the uh, just uh, all all of the issues uh, that they have to face, but then we go into this movie where it's him, or, or the guy who did the introduction. He's in an all white suit and he goes to this carnival. But the carnival is the whole world. You know, the carnival okay. is everything in life. You know, you, you got to go get groceries. You get them with the tickets at the carnival. Uh, and <laughs> it's it's just a nightmare. It's so deeply deeply horrifying like the, this is the most upsetting movie i saw this month i think it's oh, really? it's grim it's so bleak uh it's this guy he you know he's wandering around and he's dealing with all the problems of the elderly but in sort of uh the fashion that everybody's at this carnival and everybody is just busy having fun and are not interested in what's going on with these old people who don't fit in okay uh so like he he has to buy groceries and he he uses up a bunch of his tickets that he got at the front and he, he only you know he's got to keep a little bit of money he can only get so many tickets and there's all that stuff and you see all these people going in and they're trading in uh literally their time right they're yeah they're these elderly people and they have all this time uh so they're they all have clocks or watches that they're trying to pawn at the entrance for these tickets so it's and they're they're getting so little for their time. Everybody's like, yeah, I can only give you five bucks, man. It's it's not really all that good. You know, the, it's, nobody wants this anymore. Uh, oh, oh, <laughs> this is like this just first five me. minutes. Yeah, 
Uh, and it's it's him going from humiliation to humiliation. People beat him up. Uh, you know, he drops all his groceries. Uh, there, uh, there's a bunch of other elderly people around who can't get into things. He witnesses. He they go in the bumper cars, and there's like uh, someone, you know, an old lady runs into a guy in the bumper car, and then it turns into like this drama of, you know, a roadside accident and. Uh, it's like, oh, terrible old lady driver. And then they get hauled away and the cops are really rude to them. And oh, it's <laughs> it's so upsetting. It's tremendously oh upsetting. Gosh. There's this part where he finally, there's someone who's finally nice to him. There's this little girl who wants him to read her story. And he like sits down with her. She gives him some, she gives him a piece of chicken because he's had like a rough experience up to this point already. And Sounds like it. He's he's reading uh, the three little bears to her, uh, but her mom is just like loudly starting to set uh, put every put the picnic away and get everything and just like wordlessly ignoring the guy and then just takes the girl and leaves and he's just left alone with this book and he just starts crying, uh, just sobbing loudly on the ground. Is like this is the most upsetting thing I've seen this entire month. Oh my god. <laughs> It's a lot. And this is a public service announcement. Which is why they shelved it and never released it. <laughs> Holy shit. It, it became a Shudder exclusive a couple years ago. Oh, wow. The Horror Streaming Network. <laughs> yeah, very, very upsetting film. Uh, so I couldn't let Halloween end on that note, so I watched <laughs> Happer's Comet, the oh. follow-up to Ham on Rye. Oh, okay, okay. Which is, it's strange. It's very short. It's less than an hour long. Hmm. Uh, and there's no dialogue. Okay. It's just the night. The suburbs and the night. Uh, you know, like <laughs> the shots of, you know, in Twin Peaks, the shots of like the traffic light changing and the wind in the trees and just yeah. the atmosphere of the night. It's like a whole movie of that. It's okay. just all atmospheres of the night. There's there's people doing stuff, but it's sort of obscure what they're doing most of the time. Uh, this is a movie that was made during COVID. So it was a socially distanced movie. You never see two people together for the most part. It's all uh, weird and distance. It really captures the feeling of the early pandemic in a strange way. Uh, but it's more hopeful. You know, it, it's, it's kind of sweet. There, it's just... The eeriness of the night and uh, all these people doing these obscure rituals that are hard to understand exactly why they do them, because we're not really spending time with these people. We don't hear people talk. You see recognizable things and then you see really strange things like all these people hanging out in the cornfield. Like there's lots of people in the cornfield rows and there's one dude who just it seems like it's his job to shine a flashlight on them and check them. Not to like you know uh move them or anything or make sure they're not doing anything he just goes down the rows with his flashlight and he he makes sure they're there <laughs> okay all right that sounds interesting it's sweet it's it's uh like i don't i don't have much of a theory on it yet i don't quite know what to make of it it just has kind of a it's it's totally a mood it's nice all right all right so from our 18 picks, what do you figure for our second feature or features next week? I'm thinking about, I'm thinking of doing two. Um, 
And I'm thinking with all the references that I've been making this Halloween and probably every Halloween to not going into the house, mm. uh, I should finally see Don't Go Into the Woods. Because there is also Don't Go in the House. That's an actual movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. But that's that's not here. No, that might be on the spooky stacks. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't even look for it yet. Well, let me just take a look real quick. I don't think this it is... is right now. I mean, I have it. <laughs> we yeah. could do it. Yeah, we could. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you're thinking don't go in the woods? Uh, I'm, I'm thinking that. And I'm also thinking uh, I, I was thinking of doing uh, Happer's Comet, but I don't think it, it sounds like I don't know if we can do like, I don't know what we'd be able to say about it. I mean, next time we all get together, we'll watch it for sure, sure. anyways yeah well yeah we <laughs> would we'll, we'll give some thoughts on it and uh so i'm thinking messiah of evil can be the other one messiah of evil is awesome really great movie awesome okay so from the spooky stacks our final picks for october slash uh well it's now november 1st but whatever yeah for yeah. this uh this halloween yeah uh yeah yeah what do we want to do uh so I've got a question. Mm. Um, every single film that I watched this past week was in black and white. Yeah. Without exception. Um, right. What would be, what would you say is probably the most colorful film in this stack? Let's see here. Uh, Vice Squad's got a lot of neon. Nice. Uh yeah. Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge, as you recall, is at the the Galleria Mall, which oh you know, yeah from, yeah uh, that uh, we, we, the the mall from Fast Times. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's the Paranorman, a lot of things. Oh, oh yeah, I haven't everything. seen that. Paranorman, of course. I mean, it's a CG uh, uh, sort of kids movie, uh, but you know, lots of neon bright colors and that, of course, because it's animated. There's PG yeah, Psycho Gorman, which I think is probably ludicrously bloody from what i've heard <laughs> I like that's a canadian that. one uh oh, abominable doctor yeah quite recent uh i i've heard good things i have not meant i i've been meaning to get to it i uh i i hear it's just a ludicrously gory film about these two canadian kids in toronto who find this alien uh warlord but they're able to control him for some reason He's the Psycho Gorman. They just call him PG for short. Okay, cool. <laughs> There's Abominable Dr. Fives. That one's pretty uh, 60s Art Deco kind of stuff. It's a uh, Vincent Price movie where he's an organist uh, and he's killing all these doctors who failed to save his wife. Okay. Uh, let's see. It's- Doctor Goldfoot and the Gold and the Girl Bombs. <laughs> that's a <laughs> that's a latter day beach party horror movie. All right. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, I know. Well, that that gives us a lot to work with. There's some, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you said you hadn't done Psycho Gorman, so maybe let's do that. All right, Psycho Gorman. Uh, I hear it's gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it's, it's, what better way to cap off a Halloween? Yeah, uh, I, I it's it's a real crazy splatter epic, uh, Power Rangers. My was my understanding, kind of a uh, Power Rangers, but with like super crazy gore. 
Nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, Psycho Gorman, PG Psycho Gorman, and uh, what were the other two? Don't oh, go in the woods. Don't go and in the, the woods. Of and... Evil. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, PG Psycho Gorman, Don't Go in the Woods, and Messiah of Evil next week as we close out the spooky stacks. Now, next week, uh, we'll finally do a, a catch up on all of the shit I watched when we were off prior oh, to October. Oh, right. Because there was that, like, yeah, that was a big gap. We took off. Yeah, we, we had all of September off. So I watched, I don't know, like 50 movies. We're going to go through those. Those are going to be our <laughs> stack next week. Uh, All right. I will not remember much about most of them. I'll will have to rewatch anything that we cover, but we'll be, they'll be our first and second picks next week. Okay, cool. Uh, this is the crumbling memory palace stacks. <laughs> try desperately to recall what happened in the movies I watched two months ago. <laughs> All right. So do you have any last thoughts before we close for this week? Uh no, happy Halloween. I I hope you got good treats and you didn't get any razor blades. Yeah, happy Halloween. Uh uh, uh hopefully your uh, trip to the amusement park will not be anywhere near as bad as that one old man's. I can only hope. Oh man, it's going to haunt me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that- that man crying on the ground is an image that's going to take some time for me to shake i i almost picked that one honestly and then i was thinking it's a lot no it's a lot uh but i recommended maybe maybe i'll check it out anyway it's something to see sometime yeah all right uh thanks everyone so much and i hope you had a real happy halloween and we'll see you soon